Previously on Jay and Mitchell's The OC Podcast. Uh, Summertime by, oh, Summer. Huh? Do you think she just picks albums that have her name? (laughs) (laughs) Then Teresa has another, like, reveal where she's, like, behind a big thing of flowers or something. She stands up for us and is like, oh! Oh, fuck! Now this dude's restaurant is going to have two kinds of meatloaf and the cookies that everyone's mom makes. Christmas cookies, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle Sean, it's good to see you. Oh, yeah, it's good to see you too, Caleb, my friend, for over 40 years. Look, I know we've got a uh, precarious past, but, um, and you got another, got into some more legal trouble, but uh, I have this friend, well, not really a friend, more of a son-in-law that I hate, named Sandy, and he's friends with the DA. I was thinking he could help you out. You want me to break his kneecaps, maybe get drunk and stumble into his house and accidentally maybe break his uh, elbows or something? Caleb, my friend of 40 years? Look, on any other day, I wouldn't mind that because I hate the son of a bitch, but uh, he married my daughter, so I've got to play nice right now, but... uh, Oh, hey, Caleb, before we go any further, would you like to have a glass of scotch with me? It is 9 a.m. Well, uh, it seems a, a little early to be hitting the bottle, but uh, that is a fine scotch you have there, there, Uncle Sean. So why the hell did not? I ever did I ever tell you that I was once uh, at a bar sitting next to uh, um, uh, Robert Mitchum? <laughs> Famous actor and known philanderer, Robert Mitchum. (laughs) That's the famous old actor I was thinking of. (laughs) Wow, you know, maybe you're not so bad because you knew a famous guy once. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I mean, you should have some of this scotch with me. It'd be a shame if you didn't and I got to talking to the wrong people. Oh, okay, Uncle Sean. Uh, uh, there's nothing, nothing wins me over more than a little bit of blackmail. So uh, <laughs> I'd be happy to indulge in some of this scotch with you. All right. Cheers to breaking kneecaps and and uh, fucking doing shady shit. <laughs> I love this uncle. It's time for Jay and Mitchell's The O.C. Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Jay and Mitchell's The O.C. Podcast, the number one true crime podcast, according to iTunes, uh, which is thank you we're we really appreciate that we're not a true crime podcast so i'm not sure how we got on the list but number one is number one baby that's right i'm actually looking at the uh the sheet right now it appears we're the number one true crime podcast about the oc Ooh, yeah that's that's, a list that's where we're number one yeah um i don't know why we marked uh true crime as the category for this podcast it's it's hot we're just trying to get those clicks i mean i guess there are some crimes that happen on the show it's how we got introduced to ryan atwood after all 
he committed it's crime. Very, very true. Uh, very true crime. Um, yes. I am Jay Howell, and I am joined by my best friend Mitchell Hardage. Hey, that's me. And uh, once again, uh, we're we're gonna deep dive into an episode of the OC. And Mitchell, we are now into the Roaring Twenties of the OC. We're on episode <laughs> twenty. <laughs> wow! Can you believe that we've been doing this? For 20 episodes? <laughs> Nothing makes sense anymore in the world, so mm-hmm. I kind of can believe that we're doing this. Uh, it's one of the longest commitments I've ever been a part of. So Same um, here, man. Same here. <laughs> I do. We, I went uh, getting into like the research of doing this episode, and I was like scrolling through the episode list, and the bottom of the list is so close. We only have seven more episodes. That's right. I don't I don't know what we're going to do. Actually, I, I have an idea of what we're going to do after season 1 ends. So, you texted me yesterday about an OC musical? Yes. That was performed and recorded in 2015. How much have you watched of that? Ashley watched my wife for the <laughs> listener. You know who she is. Yes. She watched the whole thing today wow. as soon as she found out about it and i watched I, I only watched like the first few minutes of it like kind of just the intro song and ashley kind of overheard that and she was like what's that i told her <laughs> and she like queued it up on youtube and uh just ran right through it and i think it inspired her i think we're gonna write a musical now so that's awesome that. mm-hmm. it's uh yeah for the listeners uh go- uh youtube um the oc musical and it should pop up there's not more than one i don't think i think this is the one when you search it'll come up um it is pretty true to the to the show which i appreciate um and also the music is not bad like Mm -hmm. whoever wrote it yeah it's 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 kind of impressive i yeah they got a few songs got stuck in my head while I was listening. I only I think I watched the first maybe like thirty minutes of it. That's but uh but yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I, I think it was like they kind of have the same feelings about the show that we do, where we're like there's a lot of love there, but we also they also kind of like are quick to point out the uh flaws of the show. <laughs> right. There's a lot of good a lot of good jokes in there from that that we and you listener will appreciate. Cuz yes. I assume you don't listen to this unless you have some sort of relationship to that show. <laughs> Maybe you just like hearing our this, voices. I listen to this true crime podcast these two guys they just make up this whole thing with these characters that takes place in Newport Beach. I like it. It's cool. Sounds like it'd be a pretty good show. <laughs> I don't know why they don't sell it to Fox. <laughs> That's when they get in their time machine and they go back and that person was Josh Schwartz. <laughs> wow. Oh man, we're really we this it. is a real back to the future situation going on here. We should get some royalties. Yeah. How did yeah, how did that work in Back to the Future? Cuz he's like He's playing, was it Chuck Berry on the guitar? Yes. He's playing Chuck Berry. So Michael J. Fox heard Chuck Berry 
write this tune. He plays it on the guitar when he's back in the 50s. Chuck Berry's cousin. Marvin Berry. Marvin Berry (laughs) holds the phone up so that Chuck Berry can hear music that he wrote (laughs) so that he can, he's kind of like stealing it from himself and writing it. So who wrote it? He did. (laughs) But he heard it from Michael J. Fox. (laughs) Yeah, but Michael J. Fox heard it from him. (laughs) Oh my God. This is one of those, this is why I hate time travel stuff. Because you hit these paradoxes, and uh, it doesn't make any damn sense. (laughs) You really are not. I've known you for a long time, and you are not a fan of time travel stuff. No, no. It's always (laughs) too easy to poke holes in there. And it's like, if you want to make some good sci-fi, you got to make a a solid world with hard rules. Mm -hmm. And then then you could do whatever within those rules. But, like, with time travel, it just, like, gets broken immediately. It's a nightmare. Or it's a movie like Primer, which probably does it right, but it's so smart and confusing that I don't understand it at all. So. Yeah. I'm glad they didn't time travel in the OC. um, (laughs) Probably would have done it for me. We can rely on uh, a pretty pretty, uh, linear story from start to finish here. Except for... The previously ons. That's a flashback. That's true. Shall we start there? Absolutely. All right. This is the OC Season 1, Episode 20, The Telenovela, written by Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage. She also co-wrote The Best Christmaca Ever, one of our fave episodes. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one was directed by Sanford Bookstaver, whose name might sound familiar because it is one of a kind, but also we've mentioned <laughs> it on, uh, he directed also the best Christmas ever and the episode, the escape two big episodes. Yeah. Christmas episode slash Hanukkah episode and, um, the Tijuana episode. Uh, this originally uh, aired on February 25th, 2004. What'd you got? So we're, we're ahead of schedule We are <laughs> for once in our lives. We are ahead of schedule. I was going to say, and this means nothing uh, to anyone else except for me and probably you, mm-hmm. but um, I, watch, I watch these episodes on DVD because you gifted them to me, and um, on the DVD menu, the title of this episode is just Telenovela. And, oh, interesting. And you and I have, have pointed out uh, that every episode is the something. Like in the entire run of the OC, and so I thought, is this episode not the telenovela? Um, but then I looked on uh, IMDb and Wikipedia; both have it as the telenovela. So I think it's just a mistake on the DVD. But for like two minutes, I was like, "This is important. This is something <laughs> that it's I big. need to write down and I need to bring to everyone's attention." Um, but no, this is yeah, it's the telenovela. Seems like it should be La Telenovela. See, si. <laughs> just, just, just. I think they should have done that just to kind of mix it up a little and have a little fun. Yeah, but that's what we're here for. We're here for fun. I came here for fun and drama, but mostly fun. <laughs> this episode has all that. So we start on the previously on, as we always do. It's like. Pretty much just a summation of the last episode. 
Marissa goes up to Ryan. She's like, can we start over? Hi, I'm Marissa. And then I like how they edited this because they cut to like a completely different scene, like where Marissa's trying to like have sex with Ryan. And he's like, no. And so it's like one scene where Marissa's like, can we start over? Cut to Ryan on the bed. No. It's just like, gets the, gets the right point across, but does it in kind of a, a fun uh jump cutty sort of way um and then we see you know like Teresa comes back into the picture into ryan's life and he's into her and she's into him we see seth and summer they do it we see luke and julie they do it um we see that marissa is not crazy about Teresa because she's trying to encroach upon her man and that's about it. it And do it, probably do it. It's because the last episode was Valentine's Day, so everybody was doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's about it. That's about all we get for that from the previously on. We open this episode at the Harbor School. It's morning. So before we start, I wanted to say that I think this episode was pretty... I, I think it might have been the editing or the direction or both, but it was like seemed a little sloppier than usual <laughs> did you get yeah. that feeling like it seemed like they only did like one take and then they were like okay we got it let's move on i don't know if this one was rushed but yeah there was some issues it didn't yeah it didn't I, maybe because the last episode we enjoyed so much but this one and this one had some good points and we'll you know we'll point them out but yeah at, at the end of this episode i didn't have the same like fervent like yeah yeah that i that i that i usually do not to say it was like a bad episode it just wasn't it wasn't one of their stronger ones i agree yeah it it definitely had some 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 mistakes some missed steps of which i will point out right now (laughs) there was a lot of yeah there was a lot of like back and forth that yeah like you were saying just wasn't very smooth yeah so and it's right right at the beginning. We open at the Harbor School. It's like they try to do one of those one-shot wonders where uh, you know, Seth and Ryan are walking to camera and camera tracks back and as they have a little dialogue with each other. But they started like Seth and Ryan started way too far away from the camera. <laughs> so the I, episode opened. I didn't even opened. know it was them at first. Yeah. I was like, it's just a crowd of kids, wa- crowd of extras walking through the scene. <laughs> and there's this like one dude who's like right in front of the camera for like five seconds while <laughs> Seth and Ryan's dialogue's going on in the background. I'm like, where are my boys? <laughs> What's going on here? God, I want that. I, I feel like if the show went on to be like 14 seasons long and they just really like needed some episodes to like fill. And they just had like one of like secondary characters who were like, Hey, what's up? I'm Thomas. I have history class with Ryan and Seth. This is my story. (laughs) Yeah. This goes into like a weird, like anthology thing. (laughs) Well, it's kind of like community was doing that towards the end. They would like dig into like these tertiary characters a little bit more. And like the Simpsons does that and stuff. I guess. Yeah. You hit a certain point and you're just like, all right, where else can we get a story from? (laughs) Cause we've exhausted these uh, main characters, but uh, eventually Seth and Ryan come into frame. (laughs) They're walking and it feels like this whole thing was kind of loosely improvised this scene. But, um, so Seth is asking Ryan why or if he and Marissa are broken up. And Ryan's like, we're going to go back to being friends. And Seth's like, when were you guys ever friends? 
to which I say, that's fair. They never really were. Right. And then um, it feels like Ryan riffs the line, uh, you think I'll have to see her today? Yeah, buddy. You're going to have to see Marissa <laughs> today. And then we Schwartz cut over to Marissa and Summer. And Summer's like, you guys are just friends? And Marissa mentions the Oliver thing and the waves that caused. And Marissa asks Summer about Seth, kind of getting the conversation away from her and Ryan. And Summer's like, it's weird. And sh- she seems to not, quote, get him publicly. Like she doesn't understand him, act how he acts in public or whatever, or doesn't vibe with it. Um, but she enjoys his company privately because they're like right. banging each other. And um, says that he is, quote, an anti-Cohen behind closed doors. Uh, so I'm I'm curious, do you think that she's like, embarrassed or ashamed of him or does seth try to act like somebody that he's not in public and that's why she's feeling weird about him in public at this point we know what it (laughs) the real answer later on yeah 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 she she reveals later i don't i mean i think in public yeah he's you know he is who he is in public and he and he likes comic books and and death cab for cutie and i assume like when they're having sex he's not like and then track two on transatlanticism <laughs> that one's really good like i don't know yeah. maybe he does but i'm assuming he doesn't so right like, yeah i guess he's it, less annoying it kind of made me think about like yeah how how we all kind of like i don't know if we were being somebody that we weren't or we just didn't know who we were in high school and we were trying to like assume an identity or like you know like we latch on to something and we're like this is who i am this is what i'm all about and mm-hmm. if like she's kind of like making a point to be like that's not who he is right in this particular moment but i don't know could be both could be that she is embarrassed by him in public and also he acts different in public right that's what i'm that's what i'm thinking but yeah and it also i don't know i she she kind of redeems herself to me towards the end when she basically explains why she's acting the way she because for the majority of this episode i'm like the fuck is she doing she's being terrible for the majority of this episode you're absolutely right but then she has like an excuse that makes you be like Okay, fine. I can't really be mad at you for that excuse. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> you managed to, to slip out of this one. Um, And then before this, the, we cut back to Ryan and Seth. Summer says, you think I'll have to see him today? Callback already. Market. And that's what they call a callback in comedy, Ryan. Market. <laughs> so then we Schwartz back over to Seth and Ryan. And Seth thinks Summer is way into him. Uh, Do you know he, why I think that this was a little a little clumsy with the editing? Because they're that? dealing with callbacks and a double Schwartz. Like this is a difficult move. They're going right hard. off the. This is like a figure skater going for like a triple axle, like on the first. Yeah, I don't know anything about figure skating other than that term. So I'm assuming you don't start with that. I think that's like a an ending move or whatever. It's just, yeah, the that's degree a of difficulty is is real high you gotta warm up gotta warm them legs up you know (laughs) you're right they're going they're going uh a little too big for their britches here at the at the beginning um so yeah and then we schwartz back to seth and ryan carrying on the conversation um 
Seth takes Summer's way into him. He gets a call from an unrecognized area code. Um, so I guess he and Ryan share a cell phone because the call's for Ryan. Spoiler right. alert, it's Teresa. Ryan like snatches it out of his hand, grabs it. It's Teresa. She's from the Chino area code, whatever that is. What did she say at the beginning? I missed it, and I but I assumed it was like her saying, like, hey, I'm calling Seth's number because. But did she I don't I don't think we got that excuse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't know. It it is bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Like, unless Ryan like First of all, why would she have Seth's number? Why wouldn't she just have Ryan's? Because Ryan doesn't have a cell phone. Exactly, yeah. That's why I think they share one, which is so weird. Why are these rich kids sharing a cell phone? It's fucking weird that, yeah, these rich kids share a cell phone and neither of them have a car. Yeah. When, like, they're both 16, like... I was not rich, but I when I turned six... Now I'm going to sound really fucking privileged, but... I had a car when I turned 16. Oh, it wasn't, okay, it rich wasn't boy. A, it wasn't right. a nice car, but it was a car. <laughs> it was a badass car. Like it was a badass 80s car. 80s Volvo. Yeah. yeah, you get like a hand-me-down car. Like I got our old it, um, Crown Yeah, Vic. you and I drove practical automobiles when we Thank turned you. 16. <laughs> Safe, practical, um, <laughs> old. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they got us from A to B. I love that old car. Yeah. It is it is weird that like yeah, like they live in a giant mansion. Uh they very easily could at least have one car that they shared, like yeah. and at the very least get Ryan a cell phone. He needs one. He really does. As much like trouble as this kid's getting into. <laughs> give him give him a cell phone. I think they blew the car budget on like um like takeout because they <laughs> never cook. So oh, we're going to get to that. We're getting to that takeout scene. Because that like Olive Garden takeout that they get later. Fucking we'll get bananas. To so yeah. many breadsticks. Okay. So. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. So We're going to talk about those breadsticks for about 10 minutes. It's It blew my mind. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so Ryan's talking to Teresa on Seth and his cell phone, I guess. Um, Teresa tells Ryan that she's coming into town today and wants to hang out. And Ryan is stoked. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'll meet you after school. Yeah. And she seems, she's acting kind of weird. She's, she's like laying in bed, but you hear water running in the background when it cuts to her. And then you hear the water shut off. So you're like, oh, she's not alone wherever mm-hmm. she is. Who was taking the shower? She quickly hangs up the phone. And a big, tall, buff boy comes walking out wearing a towel. And he goes, hey, babe, who was that? Uh-oh. Teresa is sneakily pushing a suitcase under the bed. And she's like, oh, who's the wrong number? I need to... I'm going to go back and... Because... Another reason that I felt this scene was clunky was my own, like, inability to figure out what was going on. Episodes I, clunky, we're clunky. This is, we're just clunky today. But may, I, I, I'm going to blame the clunkiness of the episode for my confusion here, because I thought that they were already, like, in a hotel room, 
And because oh. it kind of looks like a hotel room. It does um, kind of look like one a little bit. And I saw the suitcase, so I assumed that like they were in a hotel room. And so that's why <laughs> later when um, Eddie, who we find out is the hunky guy, when yeah. he comes looking for Teresa and he's like, she left. I'm like, what do you mean she left? You guys are in a hotel room together. And then I re- like it was it was confusing to me. And yeah. again, it. I think it's partially their fault, partially my own. Um, but also, uh, I made a point to say that uh, Eddie is jacked. Eddie's like comes Ooh, out, yeah. abs popping. And you know the thing that I noticed most about Eddie? Not the pecs or the abs. Dude has the sharpest chin Ooh. I've ever seen. He looks like a crescent a moon. With that this chin. crescent moon, beautiful motherfucker. Like... <laughs> It's ridiculous how pointy this guy's chin is. It it is. It is a sight to behold. And as he soon as you like, see this guy, you're like He looks like the V for Vendetta mask. Just like <laughs> It's the Kai Fox mask. That's <laughs> that's his chin, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, and as soon as you see those abs, you're like, well, Ryan's probably going to have to fight those abs. <laughs> I'm going to have to fight those abs. It's not looking good. I mean, that I mean, it's it's not that he looks like a bad guy, and he actually turns out to be like, I think I think a super cool guy, and he's a great actor. I've seen that the actor before. I don't know his name. Let's look it up real quick. His um, I I looked his IMDb up. I don't have it now, but he's been in a whole bunch of shit. Um, but yeah, he's a very recognizable uh, guy. Eric Balfour is his name. Um, he was in Six Feet Under, he was in 24, he was in Skyline, but yeah, he's been working, wow, he's been working since the 90s. He's, he must have been a child actor, because he's, he's pretty young in this, and this was 2004. Mm-hmm. Good for him. Who is he in Can't Hardly Wait? He was the hippie guy. <laughs> Can't Hardly Wait. Yeah, yeah. That's his character name. Hippie guy. Hippie guy. Sharp chin, hippie guy. Good for him. Yeah, he's great. Uh, good actor. Rock, rock hard abs. Stone cold chin. <laughs> he's a yeah. He ma- he makes an impression when he walks out there. He's only got like one line, but there we go. Into credits. Coming out of credits, we go back to Harbor School. We're in the hallway now. Of course, the boys run into the girls, and it is awkward hellos all around, ladies and gentlemen. It's a it's a private school. There's like maybe 200 kids that go there. Like, Tops. Yeah. You're going to see each other. And they all have like the same classes and shit. Of course, you're going to run into each other. Um, <clears throat> so some some water polo bro named Brad starts talking to Summer. And Seth kind of snarks at him, which is kind of his only defense. But there you have it. And Summer kind of tells Seth to shut up, and she and Brad exit, and Seth follows them. And so it's just Ryan and Marissa standing there looking at each other. They say maybe two words to each other before Ryan's like, okay, gotta go, bye. She says, how are you? And he goes, I'm late. I have to go. (laughs) He can't wait to get out of there. And I'm just like, this sucks. Doesn't this suck? Like why can't our why can't our foursome be like good with each other? I just hate it yeah. when they're fighting and like not cool with each other. Uh, here's what <laughs> I want to know, Mitchell. Can they start over? Oh, I wish they could just start over. 
Let's just try to start over. Hi, I'm Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So then we cut over to another part of the hallway where Seth is standing like right in front of Brad and Summer as they talk. And they're both like ignoring him. He's the way that they like they're up on like the top. There's like three steps. Yeah. And they're up on top and he's like at the bottom. So he looks like a little kid, like looking up at them while they're <laughs> talking. At, yeah. Two, two adults talking. Like, yeah, I thought that was great. Yeah, that was pretty good. Uh, so, yeah, he's standing there. They're ignoring him. Brad is asking Summer if she would join him as the girl in the kissing booth tonight. And Brad said, when we had to pick a girl, I naturally thought of you, um, which is kind of sad because... <laughs> Summer has actually like cultivated this image of herself, this like promiscuous image, which as we found out in the last episode was all like a show and mm-hmm. she was really a virgin. Um, and it's also, also Brad's kind of slut shaming her, which is also icky, but I don't know. I'm not forgiving Brad. He just seems like a, like a dumb idiot. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I thought that was, I thought that was kind of sad that he was just like, you, you'll make out with a bunch of guys, right, Summer? And Summer was just like, duh. And I was like, oh, Summer, you don't have to you don't have to do that. I mean, it's kind of gross that they're doing a kissing booth to begin. Like, why are they yeah. doing a kissing booth? Kissing booths are weird. You think they do kissing booths in 2021? No, we're not well, even not allowed now. to like, we're not even allowed to shake hands. Could you imagine a kissing booth in COVID times? Oh, boy. No way. Kissing booths are canceled, guys. Sorry. So Brad, Brad leaves, and um, Seth's upset because Summer doesn't want to go public with their relationship. And Summer's, I guess, still into <clears throat> Seth, but like secretly. And um, then she exits, and then Anna enters. Anna's back. She's back from Pittsburgh again. A great. I mean, for as clunky as this scene, uh, as this episode is edited, there were like some really good, like. Summer walks off and Anna's just like there in the background. Yep. Like it was yep. really again, good like blocking. a really like yeah. Yeah, that was a good reveal. Um so Anna approaches Seth and she saw that Seth and Summer were together because of that little interaction they just had. And she was like, That didn't take long. And Seth begins to apologize, but Anna's like totally cool with it because she is mature beyond reason and Seth makes a very cool quip about Pittsburgh, like, oh, why would you want to leave where, like, Mr. Rogers and, uh, I forget the other two things. I think he, he says, Andy, War- uh, Andy I Warhol, think, I know, Andy Warhol, <laughs> Ketchup, and Mr. Rogers. Yep. And when he says this, Anna smiles at him in a way that reminds you, and she reminds herself, like, why she loves Seth. She and it's kind of sad because she's just like, she's just like, she's like, damn it, you're so charming and you're so like perfect for me, but you're not into me. You're into summer. It was kind of a sad moment for for Anna right there. This scene and throughout the episode, um, I get why you say sad. I I wish that they had never written them to date. I wish that they had just always been this like platonic friendship because yeah. I really love. There are scenes where they're just like talking about stuff or like she's giving him advice about how to handle something like it's really I really love that dynamic. Yeah. But now it is the fact of like, well, they used to date, so it's kind of weird. But if like I don't know if they just like wrote it so that like they were never like into each other. 
Yeah, I think or it was been, kind of it would have been fun, unrequited thing or something like a Jim and Pam thing <laughs> that never like yeah. they actually like dated or something. Yeah, I agree. I think maybe they needed to do that to have them date to break up so that they could get Seth and Summer together, and then you you don't like really think about Anna because I feel like if they had never gotten together, or you know, not that you don't think about her, but you don't like want you don't Seth to get with if. Anna. Yeah, exactly. Right. You cuz if if Seth and Summer got together without Seth ever having gotten with Anna, then the whole time Seth and Summer are together, you're thinking like, is he going to get with Anna? Like they're so good. They're so good together. They have such chemistry. What if they just wrote Anna as like a lesbian or something? Like then they could have done then that. They yeah. Just, then they could just be friends. I guess in 2003 though, that wasn't as common to have I mean, they don't even have, like, a person of color in the show, so, (laughs) yeah, you're probably right. Um, But But no, that's an interesting thought, but, yeah. I just, I just really enjoyed, you know, a lot of, especially, and, like, uh, looking for, like, Anna's, Anna makes, uh, she makes a run at the uh, OC MVP of this episode for me. There was a lot of good Anna moments. Yeah, again, wise beyond her years and mature at a level in which no high schooler would ever be, <laughs> especially for like I, a jilted lover type, you know? Yeah. And, and now as I'm like talking all this out, I'm fucking Seth. I'm like, whenever, yeah. whenever, whenever no, we have uh, Anna, summer's fucking Seth. Well, I, I am <laughs> acting like Seth. You're correct. Yeah. I gotta no, I got choose you. my words. <laughs> Cause I'm mean. just like, whenever, whenever him and Anna are together, I'm like, but him and Summer are so good. And I know that they end up getting married. And now it's like Anna's back. And I'm like, man, Anna's great. Isn't she? Yeah. She makes (laughs) way more sense. I totally get it. You get it. That's good writing, Josh Schwartz. (laughs) Um, so Anna kind of like before the scene ends, she kind of hints that she might move back to Pittsburgh. Cause she kind of talks about like, yeah, I forgot how awesome it is there. <laughs> and, uh, she's like, she's kind of like, I wonder what made me forget that Pittsburgh was so awesome. And then Seth's like, Oh, it was me. Cause we were dating and, uh, now we're not. And so you're probably going to move back to Pittsburgh. Got it. He says all this without saying any of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so then we cut over to Caleb's office, the Newport group. And, um, Caleb's he's putting getting, up a he's putting up a sweet Tony Romo poster. <laughs> I got a big head. <laughs> they're, they're apparently just giant giant posters of people, and uh, I got my favorite Tony Romo, the Dallas Cowboys. I put him in the corner so it looks like if I stand at my desk that he's throwing the ball to me. <laughs> I would love nothing more than to catch a touchdown pass from Tony Romo, American <laughs> hero. <laughs> so he's actually uh getting off the phone while Kirsten is entering his office. Um says some dude named Sean got arrested last night or again and wants Sandy to get him off the hook. And I'm like, "What? Who is this drunk maniac? <laughs> Caleb's friend? Why does Caleb have friends?" <laughs> um so he asks asks Kirsten to ask Sandy to get Sean off the hook and Kirsten's kind of like no ask him yourself (laughs) and Caleb's like touche 
<laughs> it's a little more eloquent than that, I paraphrase, but it's essentially what happens. So right. then we so that's the adult story that's happening this episode. <laughs> we cut over we- we yeah. find out later that uh, he's not really any. They keep calling him Uncle Sean, and he's not anyone's uncle, no, per se. And also, his name isn't Sean; it's yeah. Bill Shaughnessy. But the whole time, I was thinking, like, there's not a lot of like old guys named Sean. Like, it's true. It's not really like an older guy. Like, nobody's grandpa is named Sean. Like, you just yeah. Sean is like some guy you were roommates with in college or something. Yeah, I don't think the name existed until the 80s. (laughs) I invented it. Like, um, it's just like how you won't find any, like, Daenerys, uh, children named Daenerys (laughs) (laughs) before uh, Game of Thrones came out. Must have been, like, a big Sean in, like, pop culture. Like, uh, Sean, Sean. Sean Hunter from Boy Meets World. Yeah, who is the snowboarder? Sean White. Sean White. But he's like <laughs> a little older than us. Who knows what Sean he's named after? Actually, none of them. His name's Bill, which yeah. is an old guy name. <laughs> yes, a lot of grandpas named Bill. <laughs> there we go. That's how we get out of that one. Um, so then we, yeah, then we cut over back to the harbor school. We're in like the lounge. I don't, I'm not, I'm not sure if we know the space that we're in right now. Is it I the, thought it was like the cafe, right? Oh, it's like it's part of the like cafe? A, okay. Yeah, it's like a different corner. The cafe has many corners and many different kinds of furniture, and yeah. it's always changing and evolving. It's like a, it's like an organism, just yeah. kind of... It's like Howl's also, Moving Castle or something. Also, they got more arcade games since uh, the did. last episode. <laughs> yeah. I bet we'll they get just, to that. They wheel those in. So the crew can have something to do when they're on break or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, um, we'll talk about that later because it's... It, oh, yeah. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> so Summer's yucking it up with uh, the whole water polo team. Like, all of them. Except for Luke. Luke wasn't there. Um, we've we've yeah. talked about how the water polo team is the football team at Harbor. And I love how they're, like, fully... Imbra- like, there's a guy with a water polo ball in his yeah. hands, like sitting there, just kind of like tossing it in the air. I didn't even scene. know. Can I be honest? I didn't even know there was a ball involved in water polo. I don't what know do anything you, about it. What do you think water polo? Like, what's it's when your you, general... It's when you ride horses in a pool. <laughs> Seahorses. Seahorses, yeah, of course, right? Because that's what polo is, and then you put that in water, and water polo, boom. Yeah. that it? That was all right? Yeah, you, dude, you nailed it. You're, I guess there's a ball involved somewhere. There's a, yeah, it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of like soccer, but you're kind of treading water the whole time, which sounds oh, exhausting. Yeah, it sounds miserable. And not fun at all. Mm-mm. Um, oh. But yeah, like there's, and they basically, I think their ball is, it's like what this guy has, which is like a volleyball, maybe a little smaller than a volleyball, but it's. They just kind of toss it around, try to get it in a net or something. Yeah, and I I don't know if you like dunk people to get the ball away. I'm not really sure. <laughs> yeah, what's the works. what's the drowning policy <laughs> in water polo? <laughs> Can I just hold you a guy's gotta, head underwater for <laughs> two minutes? The referee, you go to the penalty box. Two minutes for drowning. <laughs> All right, pull another guy off the bench. We we another kid drowned. <laughs> 
crazy. No wonder they need so many people on the team. They just yeah. lose them. Every game, they lose like three players. Did Luke quit water polo? Or I don't know. He's not like he's not hanging out with them. I don't know. Do, oh, because of the whole like he's like an outcast now sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. They they made him quit because his dad's gay. They're like, look, we got you know the rules of water polo. <laughs> Drowning is okay, but gay parents—that's <laughs> where we draw the line. Apparently. Um. Uh. Yeah. No. I. I bet. He, I think he quit just so he could like bang Julie full time. Mm-hmm. When he's not in school. Which, can you blame him? If those are my two options, uh, <laughs> tread water yeah. for forty-five minute halves and uh, try to get a ball in the net, or you get to hang out at the Mermaid Inn with uh, Miss Julie Cooper, the goddess, mm, and yeah, work that's... on those night moves. <laughs> that's an easy one. Um, so Summers over there yucking it up with the water polo team. Seth is like sitting on a couch, like peering from behind a book and angrily flipping pages. Anna comes down, sits next to him. She's like, so this is you and Summer being a couple. And Seth's a little defensive. He denies it. And uh, Anna takes a little much deserved delight in watching Seth squirm here. And she's just kind (laughs) of like, good luck with that. Pats him on the leg and gets up and leaves and. Seth, like, angrily flips another page in his book. Um, Then we cut over to the harbor hallway. We get a big, like, start at the feet, tilt-up reveal shot of Julie Cooper looking banging in the harbor school hallways. I'm like, ooh, what's she doing here? Looking looking banging, but also looking very, like, professional. Like, she's not wearing some, like, low-cut or, like, some, like, mini skirt. Like, it's not, like, revealing. It's just, like... Very like classy Tasteful. looking, classy. yeah, yeah. Because she's there for like a parent teacher conference. She's not <laughs> right, but she still looks amazing. Because she's Julie yeah. Cooper and her boyfriend, well, yeah. goes to school there. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps her young. <laughs> so she walks up to Luke, who's at his locker, and Luke is like, first of all, I loved this scene. It was so funny. <laughs> Luke is like I... shocked to see her. And so am I, to be frank. I'm like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, this is inappropriate. Right. Yeah. But uh, she's, so she's there for a parent-teacher conference, which she reveals to Luke. Um, Luke starts mad-dogging her. Did I do that right? Starts, like, kind of flirting it. with her. Yeah. Also, uh, he calls, he still calls her Mrs. Cooper. Which yeah. Which I wrote, is this gross or really funny or both? <laughs> I think it's, I think it's kind of both. Honestly. I think so, too. <laughs> Cause yeah, it's 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 played very comically and <laughs> it's so weird, but so funny at the same time. Um, so yeah, he starts kind of like macking on her, and she's like, "Whoa, dude! Like, we cannot do this here." And Luke's like, "We can't do this." Oh, you breaking up with me? And he gets like really <laughs> sad all of a sudden because he's a dog. He's just like, oh, you must hate me. You break up with me. And she's like, no, no, no. I'll see you tonight. And then Jimmy pops in. Jimmy Cooper, ex-husband of Julie, father to Marissa, who is Luke's ex-girlfriend. And mm-hmm. uh, Luke um, shits his pants immediately. He's just like, oh, Mr. Cooper. And he 
when Luke exits, where he's just like, I gotta go class, bye. Oh my God. It was like some of the funniest shit I've seen on this show. Like he was so, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I'll see you. Both of you. Like he keeps doing that. Like, <laughs> not just Julie. <laughs> like he goes he, to, yeah, God. He, he, he says that I'll see you, both of you. And then he goes to the nearest door to like a classroom, goes to open it. It won't open. He like, Puts his hands on his head like it's so fucking big and silly and like just really great, like really quality, like physical, awkward, goofy comedy. Just fucking nailed it. He did so good. Yeah. I was just like, damn, this dude's great. He's so much fun to watch. And I think like I think that's how I think that's how they get away with it. They got to play it really big, play it really comedically. Otherwise, it looks like she's a predator <laughs> preying on, right. this, on this boy. Um, but I mean, he's obviously like 30. But yeah, it was just, it was really funny. Big laugh, big <laughs> LOL. Good job, Luke. Um, so then we cut over to the Harbor Cafe. And Ryan's like barreling down the stairs. Did you notice this? Like he's just like hauling ass to wherever he's going. And he like stops right in front of Marissa. Like he's, it's supposed to be like, oh, we just bumped into each other. But it like, again, this episode's a little clunky. It wasn't staged very well. So Ryan yeah. just comes like running down the stairs. It looks like he's <laughs> about to fucking tackle Marissa. And then he, just, <laughs> he just like stops like just short of her. And, and there she is. And, um, they're both kind of like, oh, this sucks. Like, why can't we, like, talk to each other and stuff? And Ryan suggests that he and Marissa hang out. And Marissa's like, oh, my God, I would love that. What are you doing tonight? And remember, we're, we're seeing Teresa tonight. So he's like, I'm kind of busy. How about after school? And Marissa's like, cool, we'll hang out, like, right after school. I got dinner with my dad anyway, so that's better. So they've got... Brian's got like kind of a kind of a Mrs. Doubtfire thing going where it's like hanging out with Marissa and then immediately hanging out with Teresa. I don't know if that's the best move, Ryan, but we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Um, and then we cut over to the I like keeping the Ryan and Marissa scenes short, by the way, because they are they're they're kind of tough to get through. They're like Here's the opposite how... of Julie and Luke. Right. But also also Ryan and like I noticed, and we'll get to it, but like all the scenes with Ryan and Teresa are great. Like there's the, they obviously, and it's obviously like the chemistry, but it's just like the characters get along so well and are just like, it's, you don't feel like cringy and just like, Oh, this sucks. It's not like like a chore to get through those scenes. And same with like Seth and Anna versus Seth and Summer. Right. And I get that they're creating that conflict. That's like part of the story here. But yeah, it's just brutal, man. <laughs> Getting through that. Um, so then we cut over to the lighthouse, the restaurant that Sandy and Jimmy are fixing up. And uh Sandy is sitting there eating some of Mama's meatloaf. And Caleb enters. And he takes no time to just start digging into him. <laughs> he just starts like ripping on Sandy. Just insults the meatloaf, which made me think, I want to see that meatloaf. You don't I want to really try s- that meatloaf. I want to try, but I also like Caleb is like, my God, what is that? Like, he's just yeah. like disgusted by it. And I was like, 
what does it look like? Also, like, keep in mind, Caleb is here to ask Sandy a favor. <laughs> like, is that how you go into asking somebody for a favor? You just be like, what the fuck are you eating? That looks like shit. <laughs> it's like, dude, you, he like can't help himself, I guess, around Sandy. But like, I thought you were somewhat competent, Caleb. He's a savvy businessman. He knows that he's, he's negging him. Ah, yes. The classic way to get what you want with anybody. <laughs> what are you eating? Dog food? Help me. <laughs> yeah, Sandy. He, yeah, he, he says, like, what is that? It looks disgusting. Sandy says, it's my mother's meatloaf. And Caleb, terrified, goes, oh, God, your mother's here? Which made <laughs> me think, like, I would have loved to have been at Sandy and Kirsten's wedding. Like, yes. how much fun would that be to see the Caleb Nana? Caleb and the Nana? Yeah, dude. That would that have been reminded great. me when he said, oh, God, is she here? I was like, oh, yeah, we haven't gotten to the Nana We haven't met her yet. yet. No. But Caleb has met her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she has made an impression. <laughs> um, so Caleb says that he's there to ask Sandy a favor. And Sandy's like, yeah, okay, pal. But... He actually does, like, humor him, and he's like, all right, let me see the police report. Kind of gives him the lowdown on Uncle Sean. And, um, you know, it's a little more than Caleb deserves from Sandy because they hate each other, but Sandy's got a heart of gold, so of course he's going to be like, all right, let me, I'll, I'll see what's going on. You got to think at this point, Caleb knows that also. Like, he, he, I'm sure he sees it as a weakness, but... Mm. He's like, look, he can act like he doesn't, he doesn't like me or respect me, but if I ask him to help me, chances are he's going to help me. They are family. Yeah. In a way. So um, they have a little bit of banter, and then the scene ends with like Caleb being like, got any more of that meatloaf? I'm like, oh my god, are they friends now? What's going on here? It's like, I bet that meatloaf is dynamite. I bet he was just being, a, being an old prick. Yeah, but, uh, I bet he he got, took one whiff of that meatloaf. He was just like, "Get me some of that." <laughs> um. So then we cut over to the Harbor Halls. We're with Julie and Jimmy, and apparently the te- parent teacher conference went well with Doctor Kim. It looks like Marissa's doing good in school, which is amazing considering the absolute bullshit of a year she's had. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Julie compliments Jimmy on being involved in Marissa's life because, you know, Marissa's living with Jimmy now and Julie isn't really involved with her anymore. And she's like, good on you, Jimmy. Like, way to go. Way to be involved. And Jimmy's like, well, you and Caleb must be doing really good right now. And Julie's like, what makes you say that? And he's like, because you're being nice. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, take it easy, Jimmy. I get that you guys are exes, but like, she paid you a compliment. Don't like, yeah. <laughs> don't throw it in her face. Um, so she she informs Jimmy that she and Caleb actually broke up, and that she's happier not being with him. Um, and then Jimmy absolutely demolishes her with a, wow. So you spend your whole life trying to be rich and popular, and it turns out what agrees with you most is being poor and alone. Like, damn. That's harsh. Harsh as fuck. Oh, Jimmy. Well done, Jimmy. <laughs> she kind of had that coming. But at the same time, she's like being nice and cordial to him, and he's just like, I can't wait to be mean to you. 
That's uh, I mean, in the last one, uh, the Valentine's Day one, where he's like, he gets the uh, box of cookies, and he's like, it's not ticking, so it can't be from your mom. Like he just, yeah. he's he's not really, like, he's being pretty, you know, unrelenting with the uh, with the jabs. Yeah, he's not really letting that go. Which, you know, she she was pretty terrible to him. But she like, was, but also he was not a good person. Kind of kind of had it common. They both suck. <laughs> yeah. But they're but they're really good parents to one of their kids. Uh, the only one we know about. <laughs> So, it, to me, it kind of seems like the old flame might be getting sparked back up here a little bit. Like, they're they're getting along. They're kind of talking back and forth. I don't know. I might be reading into it, but it seemed like Julie and Jimmy, like, oh, maybe, they, maybe it's not all done for. Maybe there's they do, something there. They do get back together in, like, season three, I think. Like That's right. Wait, he goes really? away for a while, he and then he comes away. back. Yeah, and then they, then they are, but then they break up again. Or I don't remember. It's tune in to season three, you guys. It's complicated. We'll, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, in twenty twenty four or whenever. Yeah. We get there. <laughs> uh, so then we cut over to Summer's room. Seth and Summer are probably starting to do it for like the fifth time or something. <laughs> like they're making out like. They're about to engage in sex, but they're already like under the covers and naked. So I'm just like, mm-hmm. oh, this is probably like the third or fourth time because they're kids. And so it's like, hey, uh, why did you ignore me in school today? And Summer comes up with like an absolute like batshit insane excuse where she compares them as a couple to like a like a tabloid couple. And she's like, well, because if we go public, then like the paparazzi will come and it's it doesn't make any sense to me. It was like a complete bullshit excuse. And before Seth can call her out on that, she just starts like making out with him and he's just kind of like, oh, OK, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Just, Hello, sunshine. Yeah. <laughs> just show him your boobs and uh, all is forgiven. He's like, that's um, a good point. You're right. Yeah. OK, whatever. Forget I said anything. <laughs> And that's kind of all that scene is. It was Summer kind of deflecting and coming up with this this weird, like, I just want to keep it private, like our relationship private. I don't want people to know about it. Doesn't make any sense. They're in high school. Who cares? Yeah. So then we cut over to the Cohen's game room, and Ryan absolutely annihilates Marissa at the ninja game on PlayStation. Um. They don't Marissa, really, yeah. Marissa holds the controller like she's never held a video game controller before. Right. Like they had a consultant on set to be like, <laughs> okay, now you put your thumb here and your index finger here and <laughs> you mash this button a lot and move around with this joystick. And she's just like, oh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. She's like holding it sideways. Like it's very, it's very silly. Like. She's trying. She's trying, though. She's there. She's trying to hang out. She's trying to do the friend thing. Mm-hmm. Props to her. Um, but they really don't have anything to talk about, and they both know it. And Mar- Marissa mentions Oliver at some point. It's like, whoops. <laughs> like, like that's a, Yeah, the that's a, O word. Yeah, we don't say that anymore. It's kind of a touchy subject. 
Um, and then Ryan's kind of like, oh, well, I got a lot of homework. And I'm just like, what are you guys doing? Like, this, this isn't fun for anybody. <laughs> and then uh, as Marissa's about to leave, Teresa enters. Busted. And she's like, so I'm early, sorry. And Marissa Ooh. sees Teresa. Teresa sees Marissa. Marissa excuses herself. She's upset and a little bit snippy, which I'm willing to forgive. Um, Teresa actually cannot wait to play the ninja game. And at this moment, I forget that these 30-year-olds are teenagers because, <laughs> like, remember just coming over to hang out and, like, play video games with people? And like when did when did she play the this ninja game before though? Cuz she does go like, "Oh, is this that is this the ninja game?" Is this the ninja game I keep hearing so much about? She's like, "You're going down." She already knows how to play it. But I'm like, did they play it before? Like it, it makes me think the ninja game is like timeless. It's like it's like uh Pac-Man or Donkey Kong or something has <laughs> just been around since, for ages since they were kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's the like first, baseball or something. Yeah, the, the first game. the Ninja game was on Atari, and then it just kind of keeps developing and improving. Yeah, but the core mechanics are still the same. So yeah. if you're good at version one Ninja game, you're good at PlayStation 3 Ninja game. <laughs> But yeah, like I keep just like all the drama, all the everything. And this episode does a good job of kind of reminding us of that. That like these kids just want to be kids sometimes, you know, like there's all this bullshit going on in their lives. And sometimes they just want to like hang out with each other and just like play video games or like walk on the beach and eat Balboa bars. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I like those moments in this episode a lot. Mm-hmm, well, there's only sure. there's only like a couple of them because we got to. A lot of drama to get to. That's how the show is. Um, so then we cut over to the Cohen's kitchen, which is l- later, I guess, in the day. The timeline also is kind of confusing. I'll get to it. So we go over to the Cohen's kitchen. Sandy's uh, grilling Kirsten about Uncle Sean. He's like, who the fuck is this guy? What's going on? And she's being like real dodgy about it. She lo- She lands on like, well, he knows people. And Sandy's like, I didn't think you could be more vague, and you managed to be more vague somehow. Yes! <laughs> that was really good. Um, so Sandy says he put in some calls and should hear back before he has to meet with Uncle Sean. Then Seth and Ryan enter, and um, so th- they come in from the pool house, and I'm like, so did Teresa just do like a pop-in? <laughs> she was just like, I'm going to kill you at the ninja game, then I got to get out of here. Like... Because she just got there, and now it's like the same day, but it's later, and the sun's still out, and I'm like... There was some weird There was some weird edits. There were like some points where some of them were in school, and some of them weren't. Like, yeah. I don't think... There was a few days where Ryan, I think, didn't go to school in this episode. <laughs> like, it was very strange the way... I, again, the way that it was edited, you were just like, wait, why isn't Ryan in school right now? What? Yeah, like, or like, why isn't Teresa in the house with ryan right now because yeah you know it's just felt weird and i was just like what's going on anyway um they also uh kirsten says um like uncle sean she's like he knows guys in the permit office and you know all the union guys and i was like i've seen the sopranos i know who uncle sean is yep you know exactly uncle sean's in the mob (laughs) (laughs) that's how you get stuff done in this city 
But then you see Uncle Sean and you're like, oh, I guess that's what the Newport Beach mob guy looks like. Like, Not very scary looking. No, no. Just an old (laughs) bald white man. (laughs) Um, So, oh, yeah. So um, Kirsten mentions once Seth and Ryan enter that Teresa called. Teresa was just there. And she called? Why is she calling? This had to have been the next day. I guess, but like, it seems weird to like lose a whole day, like you lose the night and then the whole day at school just to have this one little scene. I don't know. It was really strange, but was Ryan wearing different clothes? I don't even remember. He might've been wearing different clothes. I don't know, but it just jumps. It's just (laughs) unclear. And that's a problem anyway. uh, So yeah, I thought like the scenes might've gotten switched there. Or like in editing or something like where she, like it would have made sense if Ryan was there and then she's like Teresa called and he's like oh okay and then like Marissa shows up and then they're playing and then Teresa shows up like that would have made more sense like kind of chronologically to me but I don't know I don't know what happened here anyway but then Seth being there wouldn't make because then that means Seth would have went over to Summers to Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And Seth had already gotten back from having sex with Summer. <laughs> and he was like, I'll just go ahead shower off and change my clothes and then we can hang out in the pool house or what like what's happening here? It's anyway, not a perfect show. <laughs> not a perfect episode, this one. Um so Ryan tells them that that Teresa's in town taking a semester off looking for work because her mom got laid off. Um to which I say, is that the whole story? Mrs. Sexy Tall Shower Buff Boy. Is that the only reason you're here? Mm-mm. So then Seth mentions that uh, Teresa is caliente, which is racist. <laughs> and uh, that, 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 that comes up again later in this episode. Yeah. It's, it's casual racism that you see in the early aughts that uh, doesn't fly today, thankfully. But... Um, but they just kind of play it, play it for yucks in this one, and it's a little icky, little icky. This, yeah, that that little the Caliente thing. I was like, oh. But then later, there's more, and you're just oh, like, yeah. oh no. It's worse, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because uh, it's like essentially is just like saying that like she's Hispanic, and I'm gonna use Spanish words to describe her. Right. He wouldn't call Marissa Caliente. Yeah, exactly. Or, yeah. You know. There's like connotation to it. It's weird. So then um someone asks if Marissa's cool with Teresa and Ryan says like, "Yeah, me and Marissa, we're just friends again." And Sandy's like, "When were you ever friends? Call back." Call back. And that's what they call a callback in comedy, Ryan. <laughs> That's Mark a running it. thing in this episode. Love uh, it. Uh, so then we cut over to the Mermaid Inn. It's a cute little motel. I like the Mermaid Inn. I, Mitchell, I wrote, the Mermaid Inn is a very cool place. Yeah. It's, it reminds I, me of, remember in a Goofy movie where they stay in, I think it might have also been called the Mermaid Inn, but they have like <laughs> water beds with like fish in them and like yes. they have all the... The under the sea decor and stuff, it like kind of got that vibe to it. You know what it is? It's just like, and you see it a lot in movies and TV shows. I guess 
because it's it's like cheaper than uh, getting like the licensing or whatever. But any sort of like unique hotel, and they're all in moves. Like now, it's just like Hilton, Sheridan, Holiday Inn, uh, Motel Six, mm-hmm. and like they don't really have any character to them. This one had a mermaid and, a and like a giant clam. Yeah, and like it just looked really like really really kitschy and just very quaint and fun you know yeah, and like it's a shame you know all these big all these big conglomerate corporations coming in taking out these little mom and pop motels where people bang each other and stuff it's Bullshit. real shame real shame yeah hey double tree keep your fucking cookies we don't want them we don't want your cookies we want mermaid in it's fun yeah <laughs> Um, so then we see, uh, oh, this is uh, Julie and Luke's secret love den. And they we're going to the room with them post-coitus. And Luke is just in heaven. And he says a, a line that made me laugh a lot where uh, he's just like talking to her. He's just like, we got everything we need. We got cable and like a bed. <laughs> and he's like, this place is awesome. And he kind of like flips <laughs> his hair back like <laughs> Again, like a cartoon character, like real big. And I feel like that, like he did that take, not expecting that take to make it into the show. Like sometimes (laughs) you do a take and you're just like, I'm just going to have fun with this one. We've already got it. We're just like, we're just having fun now. And yet that one made it into the show because you went like really big with that line. Place is awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Push, push the limits and then let them reel you back in or whatever. But yeah, no, he's fantastic good old luke um so julie's enjoying herself but she's a little more realistic about everything and then luke's like yeah, i gotta go to homeroom because <laughs> they just banged all night and and then julie's like right because you're in high school you're 18 thank god she does mention that he is 18 years old um <laughs> <laughs> and then she and then she looks at the camera and like kind of nods like She's like see? See? It's not that bad. <laughs> uh and then Julie gets a call from Caitlin, the daughter that everybody forgets about. And Caitlin Can is, I just Yeah. Mitchell, can I just say that as much as they neglect and ignore and just discard poor Caitlin Cooper, Caitlin Cooper grows up and is now engaged to Aaron Rodgers, the MVP of the National Football League. That's right. Shailene Woodley, I saw, is engaged to Aaron Rodgers. So congratulations, Caitlin. You overcame your shitty family. Yeah. Yeah. You did I I mean, to be so well-adjusted, having that kind of upbringing, um, (laughs) it really speaks volumes as to, to her character, her perseverance. And that's fantastic. Is that I didn't know that. Good for good for them. Yeah, very happy for them both. <laughs> uh, I'd like to go to that wedding too. Yes, will that be fun? Aaron Rodgers seems like an actual like cool guy. Like, was he the the dude the didn't Pete Holmes interview him on? Yes, he made it weird. He yeah, talked about he, cool. he talked about aliens and shit. Yeah, which I'm like, you're not many NFL players are gonna. Talk, like is, are gonna go that deep into like alien sightings like tom brady will be like 
I just have avocado smoothies and I go to bed at 8 p.m. Right. And it's like, cool. <laughs> thanks, Tom Brady. I bet Tony Romo's got some pretty good stories. <laughs> <laughs> That's what, when they're like, Caleb, did you hear Caitlin's getting married to Aaron Rodgers? He's like, that's great, but he's no Tony Romo. No Tony Romo. (laughs) (laughs) I'll never please you, Grandpa. Never make you happy. Um, (laughs) That would be a funny sort of follow up. Um. So yeah, Julie gets a call from Caitlin. Caitlin is locked out of the house because everybody forgets about her. So Julie's got to go let her in. And Luke's like, I'll see you tonight. And Julie's like, she can't. Like, she can't do this anymore. This is irresponsible. This is this is wrong. So she she ends it. She's like, we can't do this anymore. And Luke is heartbroken. But he tries not to let it show. And through his tears, he says, no worries. And then he exits. And it was, it was, it was, I felt that one. Like, he did a good job with that. Uh, so Luke exits, and as he's leaving, he passes <gasps> Teresa, who is staying loved, in the. I loved this shot. I next loved room. the whole, the whole setup of this shot. I thought it was so fantastic. Yeah. It reminded me of Bottle Rocket. Remember the Wes Anderson movie? Yeah. Also, yeah. yeah in like also, it takes motel. place in a motel. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, just like seeing them pass each other, they don't know each other. Why would they? Be like, oh, Ryan's old girlfriend. Like, they don't know each other. And and it was, you're just, it's just, yeah, they set it up so perfectly. You're just like, oh, shit. She walks into the room that's literally next door to that one. You're just like, oh, this, is, this isn't going to go well. Yep. Uh, so then we cut over to the harbor veranda, the lunch veranda. <laughs> and this might be the first big music cue of the episode it's the first one i noticed it's a song called leaving trains by james william wendell mm-hmm. nice song I never, like heard, never heard of that dude before it was a nice little acoustic jam um ryan sits down with marissa and they both like start to apologize at the same time to each other and i'm like why is marissa apologizing <laughs> like ryan was the one who kind of kind of blew it there they do a thing that this show so rarely does where it's a thing where we as the viewer and we've brought it up where we're like, why didn't he just tell her that Teresa was coming over later yeah. that day? Like that isn't a problem because they're not dating anymore and they're just trying to be friends. Exactly. So why, why did, and then like that whole awkwardness wouldn't have happened. And like in this scene, she says, like, you could have just told me that Teresa was coming over. <laughs> right, like, exactly. Yeah. Again. <laughs> and he goes, he goes like, yeah, I should have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why didn't you, Ryan? Get it together. <laughs> I don't know. You know how it is when you're a teenager. You don't have that kind of forethought and you think like, oh, maybe I can just skate by and not really have to have to like have this conversation or whatever. But Right. But yeah, that was, Ryan kind of blew it there. But um, he gives Marissa the lowdown on Teresa. He's like, we're just friends. She's here till the end of the week. She's staying at the, what is it? The seashell, the sea monkey. And Marissa's like, the mermaid. I'm like, How, you were so off, right? You were way, <laughs> way off. How, how yeah. is he... <laughs> 
the Merlin, the Murray the barnacle, Christmas, the, the, uh, <laughs> the Bill Murray Motel. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. What are you talking about, right? But Marissa says the mermaid kind of like everybody knows the mermaid. Like everybody That's knows. where people go to fuck. Yeah. That's probably where my mom is right now. <laughs> no, she has no idea. Um, Marissa Marissa says she wants a ninja game rematch. Uh, she says, what I lack in nunchucks, I make up for in saber. Mitchell, <laughs> Which is a tough you line delivered- to get you delivered that line better than she did. Well, thank you, Jay. It wasn't hard. <laughs> but it, it is kind wrote, of a weird line to say. <laughs> like, saber. I wrote, I wrote uh, you could tell uh, Misha Barton has never said nor heard the words nunchucks or saber before. <laughs> or lack. Or lack. <laughs> <laughs> what I lack in nunchucks, I make up for in saber. Like, she in was, saber. She's trying, just trying surreal. to be cool about it, but like, yeah, <laughs> didn't quite land it. But they did, I, at the end of this scene, they did give her a little time to bro, Adam Brody it up for the camera. And I thought she did an okay job with it. She kind of gives like a little like double smirk thing to Ryan. And I was just like, that wasn't so bad, Marissa. <laughs> I wish she... <laughs> All right, here's my alternate take. Okay. She gets to do her little double smoke thing, but she goes, uh, what I lack in nunchucks, I make up for in saber. And he gives a little smirk and then goes, saber. saber. Says it one more time. So like, <laughs> saber. Let me do it again. Are you saber. sure that's a word? Are you sure that's a thing? <laughs> Are you sure you're not trying to say saver? Or yeah, like life saver. Is it, is it life saber? Have I been saying them wrong the whole time? <laughs> the little candies? Life saver. Yeah, Um, So then we cut over to elsewhere in the Harbor School and Seth and Anna are walking together. Anna asks Seth if he's talked to Summer. He admits to her that he has not. Um, Hearing this is frustrating to Anna and Seth essentially begs for her sage wisdom. Because because she's been like... holding back and like not like trying to stay out of the way you can tell it's just like she can't hold it in any longer she's too good of a person she can't like stand to see people make mistakes on their own she's like gotta be like she's like oh here's what you're doing wrong let me tell you all about it yeah Uh, first off i'm from pittsburgh second of all just want to clear that up (laughs) (laughs) she begrudgingly wisely tells him that he needs to make a stand if he doesn't he is a coward and then she'll really have something to be embarrassed about speaking about summer so just then a water polo dude does the like shoulder bump thing into seth you know like she says she says then she will have something to worry about or to be ashamed of because she's dating a coward and i coward I love the word coward. Coward like, is a good. Some, yeah. It's great. It's kind of like, uh, it's a word that I feel like isn't in the the modern lexicon. Like people don't really say it that often, but everybody knows coward. I, I, uh, I, te- friend of the show, Muhammad Joma, he's, we were joking about something where he 
like I, I forget even the context of it, but like I didn't respond to what he said until like later, and I just wrote back coward, and I thought. <laughs> I thought, how great would it be if you just randomly texted people that you knew in your phone and just wrote coward? And they'd coward. be like, what the fuck? Why is he saying that? No, I'm not. What does that mean? People get defensive when you say call him <laughs> yeah. a coward. They're just like, but they also like take it to heart. Like you don't just yeah. call somebody a coward. It's not just, it's not being like, fuck you. Like you just kind of br- roll, let that roll off your back. But somebody calls you a coward. You're just like, What? Yeah, that brings Why? like dishonor to your family. You're like, yeah. uh-uh, I'm not letting that stand. <laughs> it carries some weight, that word, yeah. <laughs> I'm a lot of things, bud, but I ain't no coward. Coward is, I ain't. Another one is <laughs> fool. Like, if you call somebody fool. a fool. <laughs> You're just a fool. <laughs> fool hurts. Fool st- oh, that one stings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't want nobody to call me a fool. Fools and cowards, the lot of you. <laughs> That'll be the next Marcus album. Fools and cowards. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah, water polo dude like bumps into Seth, like kind of like knocks him over, and then Summer's like right behind that guy, and she kind of bullshits her way out of talking to him for more than three seconds, and then she leaves, and then Seth knows what he must do. Summer is like overcompensating now that her and Seth are fucking like, cause she wasn't acting like this. Yeah. The last like 15 episodes. They were like, like hanging out together all the time and stuff. Like, yeah. It's weird. And she was also just kind of like, fuck everybody. Like now she's just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm coming, Brad. Yeah. Where did the, where did this side of summer come from? And why did it come back? I guess like, yeah, it does seem a little Although out of She's character. overcompensating. I guess so. Yeah. So anyway, then we cut over it. So Seth is like committed. He's like, okay, I get it. I'm a coward. And he's like, I got to do something about this. Uh, then we cut over to the lighthouse. Um, Sandy enters and old Uncle Sean has already let himself in through the back door and helped himself to a really expensive bottle of scotch that they had at the restaurant. You know when you're supposed to meet somebody and you get there before them, so you just break in through the back? Just break you know? into their place of business or and, and take a bottle of what i assume is pretty expensive scotch mm-hmm. i doubt that i doubt that the lighthouse has any you know anything for less than like you know 80 bucks a bottle just starts pouring himself a glass like and i'm pretty sure it's maybe noon like at the latest at the like, latest it's noon <laughs> you you find out a lot about uncle sean from the first like 20 seconds before he even says a word (laughs) you already know what kind of person he is um sandy i know sandy sandy couldn't be helped help but be charmed a little bit by sean at first because he does mention that like he knew robert mitchum who was a great actor terrible person like abused women He's bad. He would have been canceled as fuck in 2021. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he's just kind of like, you know, Uncle Sean's like, oh, yeah, I remember ro- sitting with Robert Mitchum at that booth over there and drinking this scotch. And Sandy's just kind of like, wow. What a guy. <laughs> like, he's just kind of like charmed by him. But um, I was wrong about you, Uncle Sean. <laughs> turns out you're a pretty okay guy. <laughs> no, Sandy Sandy gets to business. He recaps the police report. He says that the room that so the what Caleb told Sandy was like 
he got drunk he stumbled into the wrong room at a hotel and now the guy's pressing charges was like all he told sandy sandy looks into it and he says like so the room that uncle sean drunkenly stumbled into belonged to the president of a big lumber company who was meeting with the newport group's competitor so it wasn't just any old like coincidence that this happened (laughs) also even in 2003 2004 hotel room doors locked like automatically automatically. like yeah yeah i mean he probably broke into the guy's room yeah no he clearly like broke in and and stole the plans he probably was drunk but like not too drunk that he didn't know what was going on yeah he could still do his task even though he's he's like this guy's always drunk all right that's his that's his normal yeah, he probably had a digital camera and he took some pictures of of plans and shit. Right, contracts or whatever. And um so Sandy tells all this to Uncle Sean. He's just like, "I know what you're doing. This isn't cool. Like, I'm not going to help you." Uncle Sean basically says that he will sell Caleb up the river if he's put in front of the DA. He's like, "I'm old. Like, if I get if I talk to the DA, I might say some things I don't know." Just like um as he said uh, at the beginning of our episode during that 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 scene that we we placed at the beginning of this episode, uh, it so was now, so kind of it was so yeah. kind of Caleb and Uncle Sean to come in and do that reading for I us know, at the beginning was, of the episode. That was really nice. So now <laughs> Sandy has a dilemma because he's just like, "Well, I can either help this piece of shit out, or this piece of shit's gonna like talk." About this other piece of shit I have in my life, my father-in-law. And then he's going to get into a bunch of legal trouble. And that's my wife's dad. And she works at the company too. So he's just like, ugh. I I just got to... This episode, and it's happened before, where it's like Kirsten is, by all accounts, and Caleb says, like, she's the number two, you know, of the company. Yeah. But, like... The amount of shady shit that she doesn't know is going on is kind of weird. Like you would think she would know some of what. Like she's got it. I know it's like, yeah. Like I know it's her dad's company, and I know he keeps her out of a lot of. But like, there's so much fucking shit. Like you find out later that like the company is broke. Like yeah, and she didn't really know that that either. Like what does she do? (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. It's always Caleb being like. I, I didn't want her to know. I was trying to protect her, but it's yeah. like you got like if she's like your your right hand man or or woman in this case, uh, she she like needs to know stuff. Otherwise, like the business can't function. Like you can't move forward with stuff. So, yeah, it is. I feel like they kind of wrote themselves into a corner a little bit there with that. But I feel like the all this stuff with the adults like. It's, like, interesting to me. Like, it's, like, the politics of it and the relationships and all that stuff. But it's always going to be second fiddle to what's going on with the kids. So I feel Mm -hmm. like they don't really have to, like, there can be some plot holes there. (laughs) They can just kind of, like, be like, nah, don't worry about that. It's fine. They Yeah, it's, like, stay kind of vague. It was, like, all the stuff with Jimmy Cooper. Where it was like, he owes a lot of people a lot of money, but Sandy will help him. And it's like, I guess Sandy helped him. It's like, they throw some like big kind of vague stuff out there and then it goes away. After. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
Right. Like, now there's this Oliver guy, and we're like, okay, cool. Okay. We'll just do this for a few episodes. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of the kids, we cut away from that boring grown-up stuff and we go back to the beach we're at the beach it's like sunset i'm sorry i did i did really like uh in the sandy and uncle sean scene uh it was very unlike a lot of the oc where it's a lot of like close-ups on their faces i'm glad you mentioned that because they got really tight with those close-ups it's just like eyes to mouth like it is an extreme close-up for a lot of the scene it was yeah, I don't I can't recall ever there ever being a scene like that on the show so far and it, mm-hmm. it stuck out to me of like, huh. I think they were trying to do like a Scorsese kind of like cuz he is like the mob boss guy I guess in the family, but and that's kind of like the vibe they're going for with this scene, but yeah, at, at first it was like or maybe at first I was like this is kind of cool and then I was like Oh boy, they didn't really shoot any medium shots, did they? Because they like do the, <laughs> it's the whole had. rest of the scene in those close-ups. <laughs> I'm just like, oh damn. Okay, I guess we're right here for this whole like three-minute-long scene. <laughs> but no, it was yeah. it was cool. I, I noticed that like they were so tight on Sandy's face, and maybe they just had the wrong depth of field or something. But like one of his eyes was in focus, and his other eye was out of focus. Like that's how tight they were. On Peter Gallagher's face. Do you think it's the eyebrows? Do you think the eyebrows really fuck with a camera lens and oh, it gets too close? Certainly. Certainly they do. <laughs> they were like, all right, like, can can't. we just rack focus there? And he's just like, which one do you want me to focus on? I can only do one eyebrow at a time with this lens. <laughs> the camera just starts smoking. They're like, it's yeah. never done this before. <laughs> Take it off of auto. It can't handle it. <laughs> So yeah, so then we go over to the beach and um, Ryan and Teresa, they're walking on the beach. They're eating Balboa bars, which is just like a wrestling classic, right? Sylvester's <laughs> the Yes! Okay. Also the Balboa wetlands, but... Oh, right, yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, the, duh. I forgot no, all about but, the wetlands. But they were shaped like a bicep, so I think you're right. There we go, okay. Um... This was this was when I was when I was referring to like how comfortable Ryan is with Teresa. Like yeah. this scene, even like scenes when he's with Seth, he doesn't feel like this like open and like friendly and loose. Like, he's natural. It was really, yeah. It was really one. It like felt like he was doing a great job of acting, but also it was just like yeah, he's got some range that we we usually just are like, yeah, he's Ryan. He's stoic and he doesn't say a lot and he keeps a lot in. And like this scene, he's just kind of like really just like being, and I, it's, they've been friends their whole lives or whatever, but I get it. But it was just a nice, a nice like change of, 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 uh, just a scene with Ryan. Yeah, totally. Uh, and to, to, Teresa's credit as well. Um, that actor's name is, Oh, why isn't she top build here? She should be top build in this it's episode. It's like Navi or Nav something. Navi Rawat. Yeah, I think that's her. Yeah, um, but yeah, she she like play they play off of each other so well in this scene. Like it it really does feel like old friends catching up. It's natural. They're kind of taking little jabs at each other and stuff. It's very playful and fun. Um, so during the scene, Ryan kind of like softly critiques the OCs kind of like 
He's like, yeah, everything costs too much and it's named stuff that it's not or whatever. But he he's says, like, car not- washes are called auto spas. Auto spas, like- <laughs> yeah. I'm like, man, that's probably true though. Like, California's weird. Um, no offense to our listeners in California, but LA's a little weird. You you can't deny that. So uh, he suggests that Teresa maybe moves here, like make it permanent. And she's like, I can't. I got my family. And Eddie, that's the buff towel boy. Now we know his name. And Ryan's like, oh, is that still a thing? And Teresa's like, we're taking some time apart to see if we really want to be together, which isn't the impression I got from the scene earlier. <laughs> but that's what she's telling Ryan. Um she asks Ryan about Marissa and Ryan's like, he's like, well, we could never be. And Teresa's like, like this, like you and me, you and Marissa could never be like you and me, huh? And she's not wrong. I mean, like, <laughs> he, whenever Ryan's him, like, you're right. Ryan's yeah. like, you're right. She, she doesn't eat dairy, so she won't eat Balboa bars with me. Pretty much the only difference. <laughs> but like, everything else is like. But yeah, like you see Ryan opening up and like smiling and like being so, I don't know, like loose and like a kid around Teresa. He's like never at all like that around Marissa. Yeah. Again, I mean, it's the whole, it's what we were saying during the Oliver saga where we're just like, why is he trying so hard to like get her back? Yeah. And in this scene, it's like, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you just. Be with why don't you just be with Teresa? Be with Teresa. <laughs> you guys seem like you're having a great time. Yeah, you guys are so much better together. Um, so they walk into the sunset to the song "Bluebird of Happiness" by Mojave Three, which is going to be kind of their theme for this episode. It's Mojave Three, a good song. Uh, never had heard the band before, but they also had a song uh, in the last episode. Uh, oh. So they got. They got back-to-back songs in the OC. Way to go, Mojave 3. Way to go, guys. Congratulations. You're our OC I also, MVP. I said uh, this, I, I nominated this for the artsy shot of the episode just because mm. it's like a, it's the silhouettes and the sunset. And it's, That's a good it's one. It's very cute. I had a different one, so we'll compare Ooh, and we'll see which, yeah. one, uh, which one we feel is a little more artsy. But I think, yeah, th- th- there, was some good, there was some good cinematography. Like I said... This episode's got a lot of good moments, but I think on the whole, it's a little more clunky than than it is good. <laughs> um, it so doesn't we, flow. It's got mm. the it's got the moments and it's got the shots, but it doesn't flow well. Yeah, I think it kind of I think it kind of is an editing issue with this episode, and I'll I'll point out some stuff a little bit later that was just like a weird choice to make in the editing room. But mm-hmm. um, so then we cut over to Summer's bedroom, and Summer's ready to get it on and seth's like hey that celebrity couple excuse thing you said and then like blinded me with your boobies so i forgot about it uh that was some horse shit now that i'm like sober and thinking about it (laughs) (laughs) and he says that he is not going to acknowledge her privately until she acknowledges him publicly and our boy is going on a dick strike that's right. It's Ooh. a dick strike. <laughs> he also it, it reminded me because he did make a a reference to uh like them being a, a celebrity couple. And he's like, and then 
I don't know, you know, this and that. And then maybe I make a, a bad comic book movie where I'm a blind crime fighter. And I remembered like, oh my God, yeah, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner and Daredevil and they were Benifer and that was a thing that people talked about and nobody remembers anymore. It's That's a, true. That's so it true. Is a, <laughs> it is a reference that doesn't work now because we're all just like, what's he talking about? What is he? Like I got the Daredevil <laughs> reference, but... Oh, right. Well, they, there was Benifer number two, right? Because didn't he date Jennifer Lopez before that? And they were yes. also Benifer? Mm-hmm. Why didn't they just call it, like, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Why didn't they just call it Jen? Instead of Benifer, because they already did Benifer. That's Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. So when Ben Affleck gets with Jennifer Garner, that's Jen. You just, yeah. you just reverse it. It's fine. But you're right, that huh, didn't really age well. <laughs> oh well. Who who would have thought like tabloid culture wouldn't age well? Hmm. It still exists. It's just different. Like the the people on the tabloids come and go so frequently. Yeah, it's, you, like, it's like a mad lib. You just swap the names out, but the headlines kind of stay the same. Mm-hmm. Um, so we got a dick strike going. Um Seth marches out a hero and Summer is visibly frustrated. <laughs> uh, so then, uh, so I guess that's him like taking a stand like Anna instructed him to. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, and here we go into the weird editing choices. For some reason, we cross dissolve into the Cohen's driveway. <laughs> now, would your editing, and I learned this in editing school, <laughs> You don't really need a cross-dissolve. Like, you can do 99% of your show, movie, whatever. You can just do it with a cut. If you cut it at the right time, the right moment, a cross-dissolve is not necessary. A cross-dissolve can show a passage of time. It can show, like, kind of like a montage thing. But in this instance, when the rest of the show, prior to this, they are cutting from scene (laughs) to scene. Just a cut, simple cut. For some reason, they decide we're gonna cross dissolve here from because it's it also like it's not it's a technique you use to kind of show like uh, parallels between two characters or something. And so I'm like, is Summer like getting blue balled have something to do with Eddie uh, sitting on his truck? Which maybe maybe it does. Maybe I'm just not giving it enough credit. Well, uh, like. To your point, there are more cross dissolves in this episode. Yeah, there's way they, more later. That do work a little bit better because they are kind of showing things kind of going on yeah. simultaneously. And it's kind of a back and forth kind of thing. Whereas you're right. Yeah, this. I don't think that there's a similarity between Summer and Eddie. Uh, yeah. Because we're just, this is a, yeah, this is our first time kind of like. I mean, we saw Eddie earlier, so we kind of know who he is, but it's like the cross-dissolve kind of implies that like these two characters are going through the same thing right now, which they're not. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. it's a really weird choice. Anyway, um, so Eddie, uh, buff towel boy with a strong I wrote, chin. I wrote Eddie and his chin are waiting for Ryan. In the- <laughs> <laughs> I can't get by, and he has like a little like goatee thing. He does, yeah, uh-huh. To, to 
I guess to kind of Makes maybe it hide it a little bit, or to I think it highlights it. I, I, you yeah, think so? I do, I do. Or maybe it's just I, impossible not to notice that thing. I also have a a somewhat prominent chin. It's nothing near what he has, and it, it like if I if I like grow a beard and then shave it, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot. Oh hi there. Is, I got this fucking butt chin, but like his. <laughs> I want to see it without the without the hair on. I bet it is like a. I bet he could like cut like butter with it. Like it looks so <laughs> fucking pointy, man. Dude, yeah, it it's it's very strong, very strong. I have to say that in every. Uh, to your credit, I think that the the little goatee does kind of like cover it up a little bit, but. Dude, in every picture I'm seeing here on his IMDb, he does have some facial hair covering that shit up. <laughs> I think that might have been a that might have been a deliberate choice by hair and makeup. They're just like, do you mind growing a little bit? Just a little something. It's just we don't want it, we don't want anybody to get injured on set <laughs> if that thing comes Turns in contact a corner with somebody. Too fast. Oh, here's a shot of him much younger, and yeah, you're that's no kidding. That chin is no joke. Wow. That 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 is to chins on the OC what Peter Gallagher's eyebrows are. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a character in and of themselves. Man. I couldn't get like and it's I I had to my in my mind I was like, you gotta get over this because he's he's a good actor. Great like, actor. I enjoyed the scenes he was in, but I, it was distracting to me, just like how angular powerful like, it looked like a uh yeah like some kind of like impressionist drawing or something <laughs> it's like one of those like picassos that he just like sketched really quick and so it yeah. almost looks like a caricature or something Ooh, i wonder what a caricature like if you went to like a like a state fair or something with him and then you're like let's get caricatures done that'll be fun and it's just like <laughs> The artist is just like, I'm going to need two pages because that chin's going to take up a whole page. <laughs> real heavy brush strokes. <laughs> um, so Eddie's out parked on the drive and he's parked way up in the Cohen's driveway. He's parked like as far as you can drive into somebody's driveway. That's where he's decided to park his truck. The stranger's yeah. house. He doesn't know them. He's got the he's got the. The door down. What's the back of a truck? God, I suck. Uh, <laughs> like the hatch. What's uh, the yeah, tailgate? The, the, yeah, the tailgate. Yes, the tailgate. He's got that down. He's sitting on it. I assume Sandy or Kirsten are home, and like, it's they're just like, like looking it, out the window, was, like, who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> I feel like if it was now, they would have like um like simply safe or ring or something yeah and they would like see at their doorbell there's like honey there's a guy i'm gonna get and sandy would go out and be like hey how you doing i'm sandy cohen yeah, of course, can i help yeah. you yes yes uh but yeah he's just chilling <laughs> he just parked his truck up there he's chilling um ryan rolls up on his bicycle bicycle finally i was like i thought he got rid of that thing but um <laughs> Ryan is immediately caught off guard, but he plays it cool. And Eddie says that he and Teresa are engaged and Teresa just ran out on him. And here I made a note that he, he's a good actor. He manages to show his pain 
through his toxic masculinity. Like his character, <laughs> like his character is, you know, he's like, he's got like machismo and he's just like trying to be like very like masculine and just like, you know, trying to be a cool guy or whatever. But like, you can mm-hmm. still like see the pain of like his fiance leaving him. And he's, he just did a great job. I thought like kind of conveying that subtly. Um, Ryan straight up lies through his teeth. To Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> he says like, no man, haven't seen her. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. And, uh, Eddie buys it, I guess. Like what choice does he have? But to be like, okay. And then he just like gets in his truck and he closes the door and we go to commercial and that's it. It's also <laughs> crazy that Eddie knew where Ryan lived. Yeah. How do you track him down? Because Eddie lives in Chino. Mm-hmm. I guess he could have called Ryan or something. Like, I don't, it's so weird that he knew where he lived. Like, I, and then yeah, I was as surprised as Ryan him, was. <laughs> confronted him and talked to him for all of like three minutes. And it was just like, have you seen her? No. All right. Well, let me know if you see her. And then drove back to Chino. Which I'm going to is... do the two hour drive back home or yeah. however long it is. <laughs> and LA traffic. I mean, come on. Oh my goodness. Yeah. It was weird. How did he know where Ryan lives? Great <laughs> question. <laughs> um, so then we come back from commercial. We're at the Mermaid Inn. We're in Teresa's room now. Um, Teresa mm-hmm. has lit. At least 59 candles in this room, <laughs> which I I wrote at the Mermaid Inn, Teresa has lit 59 candles. And then I said, it's weird to light candles in a hotel room, right? It is. Like, that's something you don't really think of. One, of like bringing your own candles. Like I One had a bringing... bag of just candles. <laughs> so many That was the suitcase <laughs> that she kicked under the that's bed. <laughs> a candle roll, a Yankee candle rolls out. <laughs> And he's walking around. He's like, where are all the candles? <laughs> we had like 59 candles in this room. And I don't see one of them anymore. What is going on? You know, on? I have to count all of them before I go to bed. It's my thing. <laughs> it's my ritual. <laughs> yeah. Who travels with candles? If you're going to stay at a place for a week. You're like, well, I've got my toothbrush, extra pair of underwear, and uh, my 59 candles. All right, good to go. Uh, the Mermaid Inn is definitely a place where they're like smoking or non-smoking. And she's oh. like, smoking. Give there's me gonna, smoking. There's going to be some fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's wild. Um, so Ryan's in there and with Teresa. And he is pissed that she didn't tell him the truth about her and Eddie. And he's pissed that she's getting married so young. She's 17 years old. Like They're engaged. What the hell? Um, she talks about how there's not a lot of opportunity for her like there is for Ryan, some real class talk right now. Mm-hmm. And um, she says that Eddie's a safe bet. He's got a good job. He's not a drunk. He loves her, but she doesn't love him. So she bailed on him because she just needs time to think, which I'm like, it's impulsive, but that makes sense. Like you're 17 and you're like, yeah, dude, this is super heavy. Uh, I just need to like get out of town. I get it. Um, again, I'm forgetting that these 30 something year old actors are teenagers. <laughs> They're 17 years old. Uh, so Ryan's like, hey, are you hungry? You want, you want to get some dinner? <laughs> and uh, 
uh, is he trying to convince her to stay here, to be with him? Or maybe, just maybe, he wants to hang out like the kids that they are. He just wants to hang out. I think it's to kind of take her mind off of all the serious shit. And also, in the earlier scene, Sandy was like, I, you know, we do want to meet, we do want to meet this Teresa. And yeah. so, um, and also, man, I like Teresa. I, I think too. she's, I think she's great. She's like a well-rounded person. She's dimensional. She has history with Ryan. Um, yeah, I think she's a much better fit for him than Marissa for sure. Mm-hmm. Too bad she's engaged. But yeah, they're gonna have to deal with that, which they do. Uh, they'll deal with it. Not not really this episode, but they'll deal with it. Mm-hmm. Um. So then we cut over to the Cohen's front door. Uh, Summer all but busts the door down, looking for that Cohen dick, and it's mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, Seth answers that she, death cab for cute dick. Cute dick. Um. She says that this isn't fair. Because she's not comfortable with public displays of affection. And Seth reminds her that she is selling kisses at a booth for $10 a pop. <laughs> How much more publicly can affection be displayed? Fair. Fair and, point. And in my mind, I went, point, Cohen. Point to Cohen. <laughs> uh, she tries. So Summer tries to exercise a loophole in the strike where she's like, well, if you don't do anything, then technically you're not breaking the strike. Tempting. But no, Seth remains convicted to the cause. He kicks her out. Good for him. It takes a lot of willpower for a 17-year-old boy to, <laughs> to be yes! like, so I can just lay there and uh, you'll do ev- everything? Uh, <laughs> like, no way on earth would any real-life 17-year-old boy have that sort of conviction. But good for him. He says, "Yeah." He says, no. No, I'm standing strong and good night to you. Proud of, proud of him. <laughs> knock, knock, knock. Who's this booty call? It's Caleb. He's at Julie's door. <laughs> Great. Maybe one of my favorite scenes of this episode. Just like such a funny, like Caleb Nichols is like not understanding what a booty call is <laughs> and like treating it like such a, using words like, I'm sure we can come to some sort of agreement. Yes. We're both adults. Oh. <laughs> like, just just really... the sexiest sort of <laughs> talk He brought flowers. I don't know what else you want. Yes. He shows up. He has flowers. He says that he, I have missed you. And he hands her the flowers. <laughs> he proceeds to be what, what I call the exact opposite of Luke. Um, and he treats their romantic arrangement like a fucking business contract. Or, damn, like this dude is a cold machine of a person. And we talked about it in the the episode with Muhammad and Fu, where he goes, "I enjoy the woman's company." Yes, <laughs> like, uh. <laughs> he says shit like that. He's he's <laughs> out of his mind. Uh, he's a serial killer for sure. Um, Julie points out, she's like, is this a booty call? And Caleb doesn't know what a booty call means. And so she explains that it is exactly what you are doing right now. (laughs) 
Except usually with at least a little bit of actual human emotion involved. That's the only difference between what Caleb's doing and what a normal booty call is. Um, and also usually isn't it a call? It's usually a, a phone call, text? but Caleb's old To his credit, he showed up. <laughs> he brought flowers. <laughs> so Julie slams the door in his face uh, right as she's about to say the F word, which the timing was perfect. Yes. She's like, you just can't come that. by every time you want to. Boom! Slams the door. <laughs> and I was just like, ooh, she almost said it. But good job. Good. J- that was you know that was a good is- edit right there. That was good at it. But and then stays on Caleb. Looks he looks at the flowers for a little bit. Man, we have talked about last episode. We were like, what are we gonna call that thing that Adam Brody does? And they're yeah. like, and there was like three or four of them in this episode. None of them were Adam Brody though. Those I like, know. Marissa got that one. Caleb got the one. He yeah. looks at the flowers and he goes, "Guess it was a booty call." Ah! <laughs> so good. I nearly damn fell out of my chair laughing <laughs> when he said that. That was so funny. <laughs> Guess it was also, a booty call. Like you know, we talked about how the timelines are kind of fucked in this episode but yeah are we to believe that this booty call took place at like 7 p.m because like, <laughs> the next scene is cohen family dinner like he's like this I... isn't some like late night but it was like the sun had just gone down yeah caleb was like i got the early bird special and uh, <laughs> just had a schwitz and i am ready for booty <laughs> yeah i don't know man like yeah the the timeline's weird, but this is... I imagine this is happening while Ryan's talking to Eddie. <laughs> like, this is happening, like, a, like next door, essentially. Yeah. Yes. Love it. Uh, so then we cut from sad, lonely, blue balls Kalen, Caleb <laughs> to... Uh, not Caleb, oh God. <laughs> to a feast that could feed the masses. Yeah, I... Okay, so, yeah, we're in the Cohen's <laughs> kitchen... Sandy is again grilling Kirsten about Uncle Ed, uh, I'm sorry, Uncle Sean, and she remains kind of tight-lipped about the whole thing. Um, and then, yeah, and then it kind of goes to a wider shot, and you notice that they have enough food. I, I, I thought it was just like the catering for the crew of the show, and they were just like, oh, well, let's just use that for this scene, because there are, there's literally like a tray of breads. They're like, 300 breadsticks in this kitchen. Remember, remember how many candles Teresa lit in her in her hotel? Yeah. Okay, take that number, multiply it by nine. Like, there were... So, and it wasn't even like they were expecting Teresa to come over. Yeah. Not that one more... Per, but it was like, it was... That was what, the, what she bought for the four of them. It was like two trays of salad that would like... If you if you were throwing so like much a salad. banquet, yes, yeah. so much. It was mostly salad, and then I caught caught my, my the breadsticks caught my eye, and I was like, "Wow, that's nuts!" And then there's just like a huge fucking mound of spaghetti, and I'm like, "I guess Olive Garden had some kind of catering special going on today or fucking something." Feast. It was it, you know what it you know what it did make me think though. Hmm fucking want some of those breadsticks man dude same. i love a, i love Endless. a bread like a buttery fucking Ooh, garlic breadstick mm, yeah god damn it i could snap into one of those bad boys right <laughs> now. uh so yeah they have enough food to feed uh the entire neighborhood essentially <laughs> 
Seth enters, followed closely by uh, Ryan and Teresa. They enter like kind of at different times, but like Seth doesn't really have anything to say, so they're like, "All right, send in Ryan and Teresa." And uh, <laughs> Sandy is stoked to meet her. He gives her a very enthusiastic handshake. I think he's gonna break her arm off, but I thought it was cute. I love it when Sandy yeah. gets like excited to meet people. He loves company. He Just, loves company. He loves he loves saying, Sandy Cohen, how you doing? How you and doing? Shaking somebody's hand. It's Just great. such a warm, open man. Uh, <laughs> so Teresa offers to help, like set up for dinner. Something I highly doubt Marissa ever did. Uh yeah. Just a million percent. Just putting out that presumption. Um, so they all go to sit down. Seth hangs back with Ryan and Seth's like What's going on here? Don't say nothing. It's not nothing. And Ryan informs him that Teresa's engaged to Eddie, but ran out on him. Smash cut to what I assume is just moments later, (laughs) where Sandy and Kirsten now approach Seth, who's hanging back in the kitchen. And Sandy and Kirsten go, what's going on here? And don't say nothing. It's not nothing. Callback market. I was like, and that's what they call a callback in comedy, Ryan. As as quick as a callback can be, but they got there. Oh, loved it! I, like <laughs> it such good. a perfect, just like bop bop. Yeah. They come. They both like because they're all playing it cool. They're yeah. like, "Hey, Teresa, how you doing?" It's like, "All right, what the fuck is going okay, on? What what what's what's going on with her and Ryan? <laughs> all right, give me the deets. Yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> Um, and then what happens next? Not, not so as fun. <laughs> uh, so Seth informs Sandy and Kirsten that what we have here is a telenovela, which is to say a Spanish language soap opera. Before you ask, here's why this is racist. Because the only thing that is different between this plot going on right now and every other plot of the OC is that Teresa and Eddie are Hispanic. And that's why Seth calls it a telenovela. That's why it's racist. So we've re- we've referred to this as a teenage soap opera at least nine million times at yeah, this point. So. Which is what it is. It's like everything that happens in this show is the plot of a soap opera, just with like a primetime budget and talent and etc. And it's an hour mm-hmm. long. Well, I guess soap. Opera. I don't know how long soap operas are. I've never watched one. But um, so so my thing is like. So, Seth, would you call your love triangle with Anna and Summer, would you call that a telenovela? What's the difference between that and what's going on with Teresa and Eddie? Seth, what's the difference? Is it that they just their skin is a little darker than yours? <laughs> is that what the difference is? You're racist? Uh, well, Anna's from Pittsburgh. What language do they speak? <laughs> they speak uh, 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 the language of... What do they have in Pittsburgh? Steel? Mm-hmm. Cheese. No, that's Wisconsin. The language of hockey. They do have hockey. All I know of uh, Pittsburgh is uh, Chase uh, <laughs> likes the penguins. <laughs> we went... We went to Pittsburgh once uh, when we were on tour, Pony League, and uh, it's they have a lot of bridges, and their bridges are all like bright yellow, which is really cool. That is cool. Um, it was snowy, and it was really scary to drive 
uh, in the snowy weather because yeah. none of us were good at it. And they also have a place that has sandwiches where they put French fries on the sandwiches and you get really full when you eat half of one. Well, Pittsburgh sounds like a great place. I would love to one day learn what language they speak there. (laughs) (laughs) So then we go over to Jimmy's place and uh, Marissa's watching TV, but her mind is elsewhere. Jimmy enters with takeout. He asks why Marissa isn't at Ryan's. And she says that he's busy with Teresa. And Jimmy asks if she's cool with that. And Marissa's like, yeah, we're just friends. And Jimmy's like, you and Ryan? Never friends. Callback. And that's what they call a callback in comedy, Ryan. Callback. Market. Market. And Marissa's like, so I've been told. So she's acknowledging the callback. Um, because everybody said that anytime it's been brought up. Um, (laughs) so Jimmy tells her if she doesn't want to be friends, she's got to let him know what she wants to be. Actually, not terrible advice for a change. I was surprised. Coming from Jimmy, this is maybe the best advice he's given. Uh, (laughs) It's a big win for old Jimmy. And he's aware of it. He's like, yeah. I can I can still be the dad. He said something where it's like, "What do you mean, still be the dad? You're the dad. You're her dad. You don't You've always been her dad. <laughs> you don't clock in and out, bud." <laughs> yeah, he's like, "I may not be Sandy Cohen, but I can dad sometimes. <laughs> I can be a dad occasionally." <laughs> he's like, uh, "But also, I didn't get you any uh, Chinese food takeout. I didn't yeah. know you were gonna you be here. Go, go find dinner. Go find dinner <laughs> somewhere. I don't have any money either. So, good luck. So, <laughs> so then we cut back over to the Cohen's uh, kitchen table. Whole family's there, plus Teresa. Teresa is telling, oh, such an embarrassing story about Ryan falling down or something." And uh, Sandy and Kirsten learned that Ryan was in musicals as a kid. And Sandy lights up like a Christmas tree. He says uh, that he did some musicals in college at Berkeley (laughs) College of Law. He was apparently Danny Zuko in a Berkeley production of Grease. And um, Teresa starts. Seth says, yeah, "Yeah, dad, Triple does your bitch. And then Which he goes, me happy. thank you, son. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like his reaction to that was so funny. I love Which these. made me happy because I was like, I was like, yeah, fuck John Travolta. Yeah. Fucking piece of shit. I'd rather watch Peter Gallagher as Danny Zuko. Did you know that he was Danny Zuko in oh. like a Grease musical, like before he got into like movies and TV shows? Like he legit was in like on Broadway and, and did, stuff. Yeah, he did Grease. What? That's amazing. Oh, yeah. that's a nice little Easter egg then. Mm-hmm. Good job. Good job, uh, Josh Schwartz. So then Teresa starts telling a story involving a revolving restaurant. And she says, and Ryan has this thing about heights. Callback Call market. Callback market. And that's what they call a callback in comedy, Ryan. That was a good one. That one was like, only Josh Schwartz could have written that, you know? That one was, because the the whole Ryan and Marissa, were they ever friends? Uh, it's a good callback. Mm-hmm. It is, it's pretty obvious, though. Um, mm-hmm. This one feels a little more like, 
for the fans. Yeah, like us. that was definitely for the fans. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, <laughs> so then we get a ding dong doorbell. Kirsten gets it. It's Marissa. Uh oh. They enter the kitchen. You can cut the awkwardness with a fork in this room, guys. <laughs> Marissa says that she's starving and she sits down at the table to eat with them. Thank God they haven't enough food, right? <laughs> she goes, uh, Sadie's like, are you hungry? And and she goes, actually, I'm starving. Is is it okay? And they go, yeah, sure. And I wish one of them gone. We have so many breadsticks. <laughs> We're going to be eating breadsticks for the next month, at least. <laughs> so many goddamn breadsticks. Um, so yeah, she sits down at the table with them and, uh, Marissa says, uh, so what's everyone talking about? You know, like you do when you sit down at the table that you've invited yourself to. Oh boy. All right. Oh man. Then we go to commercial. That's how we, (laughs) uh, mercifully get out of that scene. And then we come back and we're at the pool house. I guess it's the next morning. Timelines in this yeah. one. Yeah, next morning. I'm going to say next morning. Ryan's getting ready for the day. Seth enters with the phone. It's Eddie. So I guess he has their home number as well. <laughs> as well as knowing where they He's live. Scott, yeah. How does he know all this shit? How does he know? I don't know. And uh, he also, Seth comes in and it's weird because I can't tell you the last time I used an actual phone, but... Mm. He's like got him on hold, but he's still like holding the um the bottom of the phone as if to like cover, to cover it, up it up so yeah. Eddie can't hear. But it'll be he's like he's like, It's Eddie. What do you want me to tell him? Yeah. And he's like, Oh, tell him I'm not here. And then he hits like beep to take him off hold. Oh yeah, that <laughs> like, was weird. Why do you hit the why do you hit the the hold button? Just do pick one, Seth. Fucking pick the show one. Show is bullshit. The show's garbage. <laughs> um so Seth tells Eddie that he can't find Ryan and then Eddie just like hangs up on him which was rude but uh whatever. Uh Seth brings up dinner last night and again references the scenario as a telenovela problematic. He even mentions how the situation with him, Teresa and Marissa is similar to the one with him, Summer and Anna. Again, how are you not seeing that you're being racist right now, Seth? But he advises, nonetheless, he advises Ryan to do something soon or it ain't going to be pretty. And he leaves Ryan there to contemplate that thought Mm -hmm. of like having to deal with Eddie or whatever. And that's that scene. We cut over to Caleb's office um, with Caleb and Sandy. Sandy's informing Caleb that he is not going to take on Uncle Sean's case. Caleb then informs Sandy that though he tried to protect Kirsten from this dirty business that he's in of building homes she is <laughs> she is complicit and now they are all in this mess together and sandy's just like man fuck you man <laughs> but i guess i'll do it or whatever yeah. this is the last time i'm gonna help you but probably not that i'll pr- probably have to not. fucking help your ass later <laughs> until you die of a heart attack on a diving board <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be bailing your ass out. Um, so then we cut over to the Harbor Cafe. We're in school again now. Um, Anna is now rocking the shit out of some Mrs. Pac-Man. 
this is where I said they definitely got more arcade games because there's like one of those like tabletop yeah uh, like pac-man games mm-hmm. there's some like racing looking game next to mrs pac-man it's got like a steering wheel and then there's the galaga machine and i was like there was only the galaga machine yeah. last episode now it's looking like a fucking chuck e cheese up in yeah. here wild i think it's interesting that summer plays galaga and anna plays mrs pac-man i said i i made two notes mitchell i said <laughs> Anna's a Miss Pac-Man fan. Summer likes the Galaga. And then I wrote, Anna's taking a break from selling newspapers to play Miss Pac-Man. <laughs> she is in a full-on Newsies outfit, isn't she? She had a real Newsies cap Got going on. cap. I feel like she was wearing like a vest or something. And maybe like some breeches. <laughs> some penny loafers. Was, yeah. She, she said, extra, extra, read all about it. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, what a look! What a, she's got some looks in this this episode. Um, so she apologizes. Oh, oh, sorry. Summer approaches reluctantly approaches Anna, and she apologizes for pretty much jumping on Seth's dick the moment Anna went to fucking Pittsburgh or whatever. And Anna's like, "You went to all that trouble to get Seth's attention. You dressed up as Wonder Woman." Callback. Market. And that's what they call a callback in comedy, Ron. Market. She says, Wonder Woman has is supposed to have an invisible jet, not an invisible boyfriend. I thought that was a terrible line. <laughs> really bad. Really bad line. <laughs> this is any sense. This is make any sense. Mitchell, I'm gonna later later on in this episode, I'm going to try to apologize for that. Okay. For that line. So just kind of Remember it. Don't remember it too hard because uh, it is a really tough line to get over, but I'm going to do my best. Um, okay. I can't wait to hear we'll, your argument. <laughs> we'll we'll get to it. <laughs> all right. So um, Anna digs a little deeper. She's like, all right, Summer, like either you're evil, which I don't think you are, or like something else is going on. What's going on? Summer admits to Anna that she feels like inadequate for Seth. She thinks that Seth is so smart and funny and that he will just get bored with her and dump her and then she'll be the girl who got dumped by Seth Cohen. And I'm like, aw, some, some. I was like, <sighs> thought you were being horrible this whole time and now I just found out that you're just insecure, which I guess is like everybody in high school, but yeah. We've, we've talked about though, like when summer is vulnerable, it's like, so amplified like because it it takes you by surprise Mm -hmm. and yeah like in this scene she's just like like she's basically like what does he see in me like we have nothing in common he's smarter than me and it's just like holy fucking shit this is so sad i know she feels this way i know broke my heart um but luckily she said that to anna who is uh the wisest 17 year old ever she's like dalai lama or something she um, goes and tells seth she's like extra extra read all about it <laughs> soma feels inadequate around a new boyfriend <laughs> only for a nickel <laughs> he flicks her a nickel and she takes it and bites it like uh like underdog <laughs> thanks mister here's your paper <laughs> and then she runs down the hall extra extra <laughs> So then we cut to the hallway. Um, 
Luke gets a call from Mrs. Robinson. I mean, Miss Cooper. And she gets. She's looking, again, looking great. She's got like a little. She doesn't want to be recognized. So she's got some big old sunglasses on and a hat and a scarf. Just like, what a babe. She knows how to put herself together. I'll tell you. Um,. And uh, she gives him a very specific or very specific instructions on like how to park the car and like enter <laughs> the hotel room or whatever. Like, have you guys been doing this for a while? And she goes, "Oh, and Luke, by the way, this is a booty call. Callback, booty, booty callback." <laughs> and that's what they call a callback in comedy, Ryan. Market wow. booty callback, booty callback. I like booty callback. That's, that's good. <laughs> it um, only works in this scenario. <laughs> yeah. So clearly she's she ended it, but now she's like, mm, I just cannot resist. Well, it's because when Caleb came over, she was like, "Those are, These are if those are her two options." options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's going for lust over security, I guess. Here. Hmm. Um, so then we cut over to another part of the hallway and we see Anna approach Seth and she tells him that now that she has him, Summer's afraid of losing him. And Seth's like, well, she shouldn't be like, I'm crazy about her. And Anna's like, you got to tell her that. I don't know why Anna's helping them so much, but (laughs) she is really, really like without Anna, like, I think they would probably break up by the next episode (laughs) i'm telling you man like they could have just written her as just like seth's friend but like yeah that's kind of who she has ended up being yeah yeah and i love it i think it's i think it's like they have a really good dynamic i wonder if if summer would have been as open with her if she i don't know that that's hard to try to say like if this then that but no, I, I just like her being Seth's friend that, like, like Seth and Ryan's relationship is awesome, but, like, I can't see Ryan doing this. Like, no, no his advice like, was Seth, like, Seth, you gotta do this. Yeah, his advice to Seth when he was just like, I, I need help, I had sex, and I was bad at it. He's just like, do it again. I don't know. Do it more. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want from me? What, what am I, your brother or something? Get gotta, out of here. I gotta go. I gotta go punch some stuff. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I, I don't know. I like, I like, yeah, I agree. I like kind of the role in is taking, but I also like, you also have to acknowledge that she was like crazy about Seth and like some part of this has to be painful for her, even though she like, well, there feels compelled to do it. There is that shot later in the episode when they're, when they're <clears throat> kissing on top of the uh, bar it cuts yeah. to a shot of Anna and she looks happy and then also really sad yeah. like all at the same time you're just like oh man yeah yeah tough uh so then we cut over to the mermaid and Marissa goes to Teresa's door thank god she didn't knock on the one next door and she, knock- she knocks on the door Teresa answers and Marissa is trying to sound desperate right now, but I instead she sounds kind of aggressive towards Teresa. <laughs> She's just like, "Hey, I just uh, I just wanted to know." <laughs> just like, "Whoa, get out of my face!" 
She wanted She's like, to know. I got it- nunchucks and a saber, <laughs> and I'm here to I'm here to talk. I'm here to talk or cut or do whatever <laughs> nunchucks do. She's like, Chuck. I want to know if you're still. And then Teresa's like, I'll take it from here. You want to know if I'm still in love with Ryan because you're still in love with Ryan. <laughs> Let me help you out here. And Marissa just nods. She's just like, uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> she said, Marissa says, I don't want to be, but I am. Can't help it. I love that little scamp, Ryan. And then Teresa invites her into her room. Um, and, then, and then a bluebird of happiness reprise as Ryan is driving down the road. Now, this was what I thought was kind of the art shot, that kind of like shaky cam like mm. looking out the the front of the car, you know, and it's just like a driving yes. scene. There's no no dialogue or anything. You're just listening to the music, watching Ryan drive um, to Chino. I think they're both art arty shots. I think like they both work. Can have more than one. Yeah, one was like the natural beauty of the beach and the sunset, and the other was like the the gritty realism of like Chino. <laughs> Both both had this song playing. Oh yeah, I guess this song kind of pairs well with with good cinematography. But um, mm-hmm. Ryan's going to visit Eddie at the Spark Factory that he works at. <laughs> <laughs> well, so at first I was just like, oh, it's like an auto shop, and then I was like, is it? It's like a big warehouse where people are just like it making sparks, sparks with. <laughs> grinders and sanders eddie eddie has a custom welder's mask because it has to fit around his (laughs) angular chin we actually had to weld two masks together (laughs) to get a mask big enough oh bless him and his chin um so ryan is there to come clean about Teresa. he tells eddie like look i wasn't totally honest with you when you asked me if i'd seen her and Ryan's like, remember when you drove all the way to Newport from Chino to ask if I'd seen Teresa? And I said no. Well, I just drove all the way from Newport to Chino to tell you that I lied. Well, see you later. <laughs> Gotta dr- I'm skipping school right now, so. And this is why it's snowing in Texas right now, you guys, because people are driving their fucking cars when they could just call one another. Yeah. You shouldn't even be out there driving either. There's still a pandemic. Just stay in your houses for the love of God. And our <laughs> hearts go out to all those in Texas who yes, uh, who Ted Cruz abandoned Ugh. to go to Cancun. Politics corner. There you have it. <laughs> Fuck Ted Cruz. Fuck Ted Cruz. Fuck John Travolta. <laughs> uh, We're calling him out, man. We're yeah. getting him. I listened to a, not that I didn't know anything about Scientology, but I just listened to a podcast about how abusive they are to children. And so now I'm on a real kick where I'm like, I'm not watching any more Mission Impossible movies and fuck John Travolta and uh, they can all go fuck themselves. Yeah. Get them. Back to the OC. (laughs) All right. That's it. (laughs) I'm sure some of these people are Scientologists in this show. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's taken over. Um, so Eddie is hurt to find out that Ryan lied to him. Eddie does the, I'm going to try to describe this. Eddie does the thing that uh, 
like macho dudes do when they're like hurt and trying to figure shit out without punching where he like rubs the back of his neck yeah you know that, that's a that good like, move or i'm like i've never i don't think i've ever done that before in like a real situation but it, it just kind of like, does he does another thing too like at the end of the scene um we, we go back and forth a little bit but at the end of the scene he walks away and he kind of like he like like kind of extends his arm in a way that's kind of like i want to punch something right now but <laughs> It's almost like he's trying to flex his tricep or something as he's walking away. He's just kind of like, ah. It gets tight. Making all those sparks tightens up those triceps. You got to keep them loose. It's an honest living. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, Eddie's he's upset. But, yes, he just kind of rubs his neck and kind of he doesn't fly off the handle or anything. But you can tell he's visibly upset. Again, good actor. Back to Marissa and Teresa. Teresa's catching Marissa up on her engagement, and Marissa's like, wow, you must really love him. I'm like, oh, honey, no. Um, And then we Schwartz back to Ryan and Eddie, and Eddie asks Ryan, do you really love her? Good Schwartz. Um, And then he says, because I do. And Ryan doesn't say anything, like this whole scene. (laughs) Eddie, the great actor that he is, completely carries this scene. Um, He asks Ryan to try and convince Teresa to come back, Unless he wants to be with her, but then he's going to have to fight for her because Eddie's going to put up a fight. And then mm-hmm. I'm kind of like, um, hello, how about we just kind of like let Teresa decide what she wants to do? <laughs> Crazy idea. Come on, Mitchell. <laughs> She's a woman. <laughs> she has no agency here. I, I like, like I, I felt like uh, this because it's going back and forth the uh, Ryan and Eddie and then Marissa and Teresa. And I feel like uh, Ryan says nothing. Marissa says very little. Like, it's mostly just Eddie and Teresa, like, yeah. kind of explaining there. Yep. And, like, Tere- and they both, like, Eddie saying that, like, as, as you know, toxic masculinity as it is or whatever, is still, like... He delivers it really well, and I, yeah. I like I he I think he I do get that he loves her the way he's talking, right. and then like Teresa delivering that oh my like God. that uh, thing about the Saint Teresa with the stained glass window and just like holy shit, beautiful. She might monologue. be the MVP of this episode. For uh, that uh, yeah, I I, I want to like, give it to her just for that because it, it is wow. it is a gorgeous monologue, well written and well delivered, um, and. Yeah. And it it's impossible to not compare Marissa and Teresa in this episode. Right, because um, they're both kind of but, like vying for Ryan's attention. Yeah. And Teresa delivers that and it cuts back to Marissa and Marissa just kind of nods weirdly. And you're just like, Teresa wins. Sorry, Mar. <laughs> yeah, Marissa doesn't really have anything memorable from this episode. Yeah. And Teresa has like one of the best monologues I've heard on this show. <laughs> like, in it's this really impressive, man. So before we get to that, I really liked how um, uh, Eddie kind of sends Ryan on his way, like puts his hand on his shoulder, and he's just like, "Got a long ride home. Got a lot to think about." And he kind of like pats him on the shoulder, then he walks away and does like the tough guy, like triceps. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was great, though. It was, it's like a great little scene. And mm-hmm. then, after that, we 
again, cross dissolve for no reason to back to Marissa. Like we're cutting back and forth between these scenes. And for some reason now they're just like, and now we're going to cross dissolve back to them yeah. in the hotel room. Like why? Why? You don't need to do that. But it was um, confusing, man. It, it was. You're like, wait, is was, this like the next day or like what's going on? Yeah. Like, I really didn't know. I, I guess what they were trying to convey, because what they get at is basically Ryan's thinking about all this. And then at the end of the episode, he he kisses Teresa. Yeah. But I didn't really get that this whole this, this time at the end here. Mm-hmm. It's just because it was confusing. But also in a larger scope. This entire time that this is happening, there's a part of me that's thinking Marissa is at the Mermaid Inn. Yep. Or the Mermaid Hotel. Her mom is at the Mermaid Hotel. Is she going to see Luke hooking up with her mom? Yeah. Like, that's th- in the back of your head the whole time. Yeah. For sure. For sure. And they did a, they did a real close Another call. Really? Yes. It's so good. Fucking great. So, um, it just goes to show what can happen at the Mermaid Inn. <laughs> um, but yeah, Teresa does this the the monologue we're we're talking about that we like so much. It's 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 beautiful. It's heartbreaking. It's a story about how when she's a little girl, um, there's this stained glass portrait of of Saint Teresa. I guess I don't know. I'm not Catholic. Mm-hmm. And there's I like know Saint Teresa because uh, she's in Hold Steady songs. Oh, there you go. Helpful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, learn, you learn a little something. Most of Catholicism that I know is thanks to Craig Finn singing about. <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, so St. Teresa, the, the picture is her and like an arrow is piercing her heart. And even though it hurts to love that much, she still has a beautiful smile. And she dreamed about like walking down the aisle on her wedding day and looking up and understanding what that smile means. And it's gorgeous. It's like brought me Are to we tears. Still watching the OC? Yeah. Like, what the fuck is, is this? Shakespeare? Is so, what is this? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. It was beautiful. And um and the whole time she's giving this monologue, it's cross dissolving. For no reason to Ryan driving back. Um, and uh, I get it. Like, we're thinking about Ryan and, like, is he going to be the guy to walk down the aisle? Blah, 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 blah. But, and then she says, but life's not like that. And she gives Marissa a look, or Marissa gives her a look, like, what are you talking about? Of course, life's like that. Life is a fairy tale because that's where I live <laughs> and that's where I come from. And Teresa says something like, you know, you got to hold on to the next best thing. And Marissa, again, doesn't compute, like, next best thing. What are you, what are you talking about? I always get whatever I want. Yeah. And um, <laughs> and so I guess in giving this monologue, Teresa kind of talks herself into going back to Eddie because she's like, oh, I should give him a call. Or or maybe not. Like, we don't know. But she's it, it feels like she's kind of, like, talked herself into being like, I guess I'll just go with Eddie, even though I love Ryan. I guess that's just what, what my story is going to be. Right. And Mar- yeah, Marissa says nothing. <laughs> so then, out real quick, outside the mermaid, we see Julie enter at the exact moment that Marissa exits oh. Teresa's room. Like it is, wow, perfect. It is perfect. Fucking perfect. Such a close call, but damn, <laughs> it, it. Yeah, and you're like, this can't go on for too much longer. Like, you know, it's that thing of. Of like it's a close call without either of them even knowing mm-hmm. how close it is. Right. Or, like 
Yeah. Because in Julie's mind, why the fuck would her daughter be yeah, at the at next door, let alone at the hotel? Like, right. doesn't make, and the same thing with Marissa is like, why would my mom be at this hotel? So it's not like one of them is trying to avoid the other one. It's just, mm, it's just l- loved serendipitous. It. Yeah. So good. Yeah. And now the whole time you're thinking like, well, Luke and Julie are definitely going to get busted by somebody, found out by somebody. And then now you're just thinking, who's it going to be? Is it going to be Teresa? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be Marissa? Is it going to be Ryan? Like, we don't know who's going to be the one, but like, there's a strong feeling that like, oh, somebody's going to catch them. Like, there's too many close calls already with this. Yeah. Um, so then we cue the song Something Pretty by Patrick Park. Another nice song. This is good songs in this episode. I liked all the music. I remember downloading this song uh, after watching this episode because I was like, one, I like the what the song makes me think of. Um, oh, yeah. This, this the scene. scene. Yeah. But also, it's, you know, it's a nice song. It's a real, not, it's really inoffensive, sure. <laughs> really kind of sappy song. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Sometimes it's what you're looking for. Let me, Mitchell, let me ask you something. Mm. How much would you pay for a kiss? Just a little from a cute girl. Would you pay ten dollars? Because mm. I kept thinking, is that too much? Is that not enough? Well, what are we- in context, all right. Like, let's say I'm a harbor school, private school kid. <laughs> like, so mm-hmm. I'm rich. Like, you can't go to that school and not be rich. So ten dollars is like nothing. Ten dollars is nothing to me, and I'm also mm. a horny, like sixteen or seventeen year old boy. <laughs> Yeah, I'd probably pay. I'd probably pay twenty dollars. <laughs> How much does fifty get me? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is this? Get out of here! What is this kissing booth? Um. So yeah, we're at the. It's it's at the cafe. I'm like, really? You're gonna do the kissing booth here at the cafe? Whatever. Uh, it's for chair. It's for a good cause, you guys. <laughs> so, um, Summer's got a hell of a line. Of horny boys eager to shell out 10 bucks for a good Nobody's smooch. trying to kiss Brad. Poor He's Brad. sitting next to her. Yeah. Poor Brad. Um, Seth cuts in line and pays the next dude off. He's just like, here, like, here's a refund. And he's like, Summer, I need to talk to you. And she's like, now is not a good time. I'll IM you later. Remember IMs? Yes. I, <laughs> I really got a kick out of I'll IM you later. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> So Seth climbs on top of the counter. He stands up. Everybody can see him. And he tells her to acknowledge him now or lose him forever. And then the word emo gets said like five times in the next 10 seconds. Brad goes, you're dating this emo geek? And says like, yes, she's dating this emo geek. And then he turns to the crowd. and He's like, my name's Seth and I listen to emo and I'm dating her. Just like I've never heard the word emos so much <laughs> in a show, but he he turns back to Summer and he extends his hand in an act of bravery. If this backfires, he will surely be the laughing stock of the whole Harbor School. Summer hesitates. Seth like kind of does that like nudge thing where he extends his hand again, like "Come on, please, come on!" And then Summer reaches up. Takes his hand, climbs up there with him, and kisses him. And all the horny boys are like, 
fuck this <laughs> they walk away <laughs> and all the girls that are there are just like oh like and I, I, i'm gonna tell you i was with the girls i was like i was sitting there i was just like oh that's so cute i love i'll it. take it i'm gonna take it one step one step further mitchell i, I got to thinking during this scene mm-hmm. you and i we can both admit this is a cheesy fucking scene. Oh, it's scene. so cheesy. This I was watching this in, so... in bed with Ashley next to me, and she saw it. Like, I had my headphones on, and she was just like, dude, come on. <laughs> <laughs> this this is so cheesy. It's very cheesy. But I think when we started doing this podcast, we were like, it was it was a bit of an experiment to be like, let's see if this show still holds up. Let's see... Uh, what we what we like if we still like it or if we were like embarrassed that we used to like it. Mm-hmm. But I can say now, after watching that super cheesy scene, that I'm standing up on the bar of 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 the kissing booth and I am telling the world, my name is Jay Howell. I am an emo geek, and I fucking love this. I love Anna making a bad Wonder Woman has an invisible jet, not an invisible boyfriend. I love the cheesy fucking... I love it all. Like, I'll make fun of a lot of it, and I will acknowledge that some of it is bad. I don't give a shit. The show is so good, and it makes me, it brings me so much joy, and... It doesn't deserve to win Emmys or Golden Globes or any kind of recognition, aside from the fact that it makes me happy. Like, it's great. Oh, I'm right there with you, man. Like, this moment, it's like that moment still, like, gives me goosebumps. Like, like it did the first time I saw it, like, whatever it was, 15 years ago or whatever. Like, it's there's something about it that, yeah, it's not highbrow and it's not, like, super fucking cool or whatever but it's like no it's like it's it's very effective like television like it's it's tv that is trying to elicit emotions in the viewer and it like just knows how to push all the right buttons to get me there and and yeah i'm with you now the Wonder Woman line, I. <laughs> <laughs> but that comes with it, Mitchell. I know that's, that's like... part of it. I'm, I, I'll, I'll take the bad with the good for sure. Yeah, and yes, and that's some... why we're here. Yeah. We're here to point out that, and mm-hmm. also point out the Teresa's monologue that that shook us to our core, and when Sandy uh, dads the shit out of somebody. Oh yeah, and and when and when uh, and when they make. Uh, you know, casual racist uh, remarks. Like we're gonna point all of them out. Mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna recognize all of it. Yes, it's but, not without its flaws, but like when it when it hits, it hits real good. This show. Mm-hmm. Now, if 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 you're listening to this and you're not convinced whether or not you should try watching the OC, <laughs> I, I say to you. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Just watch the damn show and decide You've for yourself. You've listened to us talk about <laughs> you, If this is your first time listening to this podcast. You've made it 160 <laughs> minutes in or however long we're into this episode. 
Yeah, it's it, you're right. It does. I mean, it's definitely it has those the Spider-Man kiss like it has those like big moments that that really do like mean a lot and like I'll remember them and they're really good. Yeah. Um and then yeah, it also has uh some some really problematic stuff too. It's it's not a perfect show by any stretch of the imagination, but it does have its moments and its moments are glorious and they're they're so good and if you allow yourself to get invested into these characters and their lives and and the the whole story of it all it's like those moments just mean all the more to you when they get they get there and yeah it's wonderful and this is one of those moments this is one of those big moments where you know, some some episodes end with a cliffhanger, some kind of end with a dud, but this one ends with this big, this big moment here, and I love it. It's great. And yeah. then so we see Anna, and she has that sort of conflicted smile on her face. Then we cut back to Summer and Seth. They finish kissing, and Summer goes, "That'll be ten dollars," and I love them. Oh! <laughs> and Seth almost did a callback, or. Because he goes, it's for a worthy cause, and I want him yeah. to go. It's a great cause, you great guys. Great cause, you guys. Oh, that would have been that would have killed me. That would have been like, wow, they really do would've get been, it. Would have been bad writing, mm-hmm. but it would have been a callback, and we would have acknowledged it and enjoyed it. Oh, absolutely. Um, so then we cut back to the mermaid. We're in Teresa's room. She calls Eddie. His boss puts him on, puts her on hold. And then she gets a knock at her door. So she lays the phone on the bed. It's off the receiver still, so we're still waiting on Eddie there. And it's Ryan at the door. And he's like, he's basically like, don't go. And then he kisses her. And I'm like, whoa. And then we cross dissolve for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, there are so many cross dissolves in this episode. It, it's, it's infuriating as an editor. Yeah. Um, Crosses off for no reason back to the phone on the bed. And then you hear Eddie come on the line and he's like, Oh, uh, hello? Teresa? 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 Hello? Teresa? Hello? I, I again, I there's something about the Mermaid Hotel or the Mermaid Inn yeah. that, that's, that I assume tension. I assume like stressful because in my mind, that phone being off the receiver like that, which is, again, Nobody uses real phones anymore, but I thought that was weird that she just put the phone down <laughs> just lay and down. went and answered the door. Yeah. And and then they like go outside and talk and she closed the door. Right. In my mind, I was like, he's going to come in there and he's going to be like, don't leave and don't marry Eddie. And I love you. And then they were just going to like fuck on the bed and while Eddie's Eddie was on the phone. Oh, yeah. I was just like, oh no, the phone. Too. And I would have been like, Oof, that's, that's rough stuff for old Eddie. Yeah. Um, What's going on over there? <laughs> but no, Eddie's kind of in the his, dark, but yeah. What? And his his chin goes through the receiver <laughs> and like hits them on the bed. He's like, whoa, what was that? Like, Holy shit, is Eddie on the line? That looks a lot like his chin. <laughs> That's Eddie's chin. Eddie, we love you. We love your chin. Eric oh, Balfour. Yes. Uh, great dude, good what? actor. Well, I don't know if he's a great dude. He could be a piece of shit, but he's a good actor at least. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's it, man. It cuts to credits. Uh, <laughs> well, living is hanging there with Eddie, but 
That is episode 20, the telenovela. Um, I like it because it's our, it's our new story arc. It's, uh, mm-hmm. they've introduced, we've, we sort of know Teresa, but now this, the Eddie thing is like, we're going to be more focused on Teresa. We know that this is going to be, uh, in, at least, at least one more episode worth of stuff. Um, yep. and it's not Oliver and I love it. Yeah. How great is that? <laughs> it, it is interesting. Like that we had the, it seems like they, they'll, they'll do like a holiday episode to kind of break up story arcs. And so it's it was like Valentine. It was like the Oliver stuff. Wait, what was it before? Like Chris Mika and, uh, and Thanksgiving. Were they still kind of doing one-off stuff or was there like a multi episode oh, arc? Oh man. Yeah, I know it's way, you know what, way Mitchell, far back. We've we've talked about the OC for <sighs> like 300 hours now. now 300 hours. Well, no, it's probably if it's what 20 episodes and we we're averaging 3 hours an episode. I mean, that's 60 hours worth of talking. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot to rummage through, but but yeah, like they'll they'll hit these the 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 holiday episodes are never like they never really feel like they're part of the arc. Like I think Oliver was introduced at the end of the Christmaca or like New Year's. Christmica. Yeah, because he was in the New Year's episode. They were um, still kind of establishing characters and who everybody was, I true. think, and like introducing everybody. Right. And there was like the the Seth and Summer and Anna. You know, yeah. Mrs. Doubt firing and stuff like that, but that there was wasn't. Happening. Yeah, there wasn't like serious. Like there wasn't other characters coming in and having their own kind of influence on what's how the plot is going. Aside from like, yeah, your one-offs, your Donnies, and your. Uh, <laughs> Kept thinking about Donnie, you know, yeah. Donnie or uh, Haley. Donnie! I guess Haley was kind of uh, in a couple episodes there, or was she just in the New Year's one? Because she had that wild party. She came back for New Year's, and then she lived with them for a few episodes. That's and right. then, and now we don't know where she is. Yes, she's we still do. on that boat. <laughs> she's in L.A. Oh right, yep. We'll 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 run into her soon. But yeah, so we broke up the like in between Oliver and Teresa. We got the Valentine's Day episode, and now we're on the the Teresa arc and. And I think this one kind of carries us out through the end of the season, if I'm remembering correctly. There is, yeah, Teresa sticks around for a while. And uh, I I think this is maybe the height of me liking her. I, I feel like there's a, there's a, a couple moments where I don't like her as much. I'm mm-hmm. trying to remember, though. But hey, we're going to get to it. We'll get guys. to it, guys. We got, we got seven episodes left. Yep, hang in there. <laughs> or, you know, enjoy yourself. <laughs> hang not, in there! <laughs> I hope, I hope nobody's forcing you to listen to this. Yeah. But it, no, it'll be good. A um, lot of good episodes left on the docket. We got an 8.4, according to IMDb, coming up. Ooh, then we dropped to a 7.4, but then back up to 8, 8.1. And then it, we just kind of ride that out but the the finale of this season is very strong and um there's still a lot of good oc antics left so stay tuned I think we're gonna 
We're that. gonna do something special for the finale. I don't know exactly what yet, but probably have we, Muhammad we're gonna, on. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna do something cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then we'll but, uh, uh, we'll we'll maybe take a deep dive into that play, the OC play or something. Oh, we'll do we'll mess around a little bit. We'll see what happens, but we'll t- we'll take definitely take a. Uh, some time to have some fun in between seasons one and two. Not that we're not having yeah. fun while we're in the seasons, but just <laughs> and then it's right back to work for season two. Yep, nose to the grindstone. Um, who's our MVP? Is it Teresa? I gotta, I gotta put my vote in for Teresa. I think. Right. Um, I think Anna's a strong contender, even though she had that Wonder Woman line. Uh, <laughs> she really facilitated. My issue is she was facilitating the relationship between Seth and Summer, but I I couldn't I never I couldn't understand why she was doing that, you know. I saw it as her kind of growing as a person and being like, because she didn't. As much as she liked Seth, she she was well aware that it wasn't going to work. Yeah. So rather than like harping on what she couldn't have. She just was like, well, I'm going to, I'd still care for this guy, but I'm going to try to help him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, that's kind which of is, like where I landed. Which is more than too, I could but... say, which is more than I could say for any high schooler that I've, that I oh ever remember. <laughs> yeah. It's when just... you're in high school, you're selfish and mm-hmm. you don't really, care about uh the goings on especially of exes that you oh my dated. god are you kidding me i would say burn in hell yeah but no i think um you know Teresa, like she she did she did like run out on her fiance which is shitty but i think that she had kind of legitimate reasons for doing that and i also i don't know i like empathized with her character a lot in this episode um so, yeah, my vote is for Teresa. I was trying to think because Seth and Summer had such a good moment as well, but I want to give it to I Teresa. Did, I did right. If we were gonna give it to them, then we'd have to give it to them as their celebrity uh, couple name. So it would be, either be Sethmer or Sumpf. <laughs> oh God, that doesn't work at all. <laughs> all right, they're out. Um, but no, I think in terms of, <laughs> I think in terms of like showing range, acting, um, all that. Um, yeah, I think Teresa like she she crushed it this episode. She did great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she made a good first impression on Sandy and Kirsten, which is that's important. That's very important. Uh, and yeah, she knocked it out of the park there. So, congratulations, Teresa. Your, there you go, Teresa. Your trophies in the mail. You know, I keep sending these trophies off, and not one of them has like reached out and been like, "Thanks for the trophy." So I'm kind of like, "Why do we keep sending them?" You got like, all their addresses, have- right, from Eddie? From Eddie? <laughs> yes. Because <laughs> Eddie's great with addresses. You can track people down, man. Except for Teresa, for some reason. Like, why was it so easy for him to find Ryan and find his home number? And then, like, he couldn't get a hold of Teresa at all. 
He's like a tracker. And yeah. He like smells the <laughs> the bike uh, skid mark tires that Ryan's bike left. He's like, he's heading north. <laughs> oh God! All right. Well, hey guys, thanks for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it. Uh, send us an email if you want. Write us a review if you want. Um, but we're really, really glad that you guys uh, are listening. Uh, hope that you are, uh, enjoying these, uh, cause we're enjoying making them. Um, hope everybody is hanging in there and doing, you know, doing okay. Um, we're here for you, uh, to provide, uh, mindless content, um, that hopefully makes you laugh and, uh, brings a little bit of joy into your life. Um, so, uh, for Mitchell Hartage, uh, my name is Jay Howell, and we will OC later. I can't wait till we're in the same room and we can actually nail that and not just kind of guess. <laughs> yeah, I think it works out okay every time, but <laughs> you really don't know till you get into that editing booth and you're syncing up the audio and you're just like... <laughs> No, we fucked that one up pretty good, but no, we're good, man. We got it. This podcast is a Kitty Wing production. <laughs> <laughs>